Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Donald Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Riley Gates of On3, as we'll get Riley's insights on the college football playoffs, as well as the transfer portal, and see what Riley has to say on some of the ongoing changes to the college football landscape. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with our picks against the spread, as well as some of the top headlines across the NFL and in college football. We'll get to our Big 12 breakdown. Also, our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of today's show. As always, Thomas Bridges is here with me. And, Tom, it is uh, good to hear from you, man. I uh, I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited. I, uh, I officially got my time off and all that proof, Tom. I am uh, I'm going to Memphis. Liberty Bowl, here we come. Kansas and Arkansas. Even if Mizzou is scared to play KU, that's fine. We'll have a good time taking on the Hogs instead. And uh, I can't wait. I've been waiting for this for so long and uh, finally here. So it uh, should be a good time in Memphis. You've uh, you, you, you frequented Memphis from time to time, right? Oh, no, I frequent Memphis quite a bit. So and I, I sent you the, the hookup for the hotel and uh, you definitely got to call Rocky from Napoleon Hotel in Memphis, and you'll you'll have a blast. Um, it's uh, about a mile away from Bill Street. Um, my last expediture in Memphis, I ran home from Bill Street back to the hotel. So uh, I wouldn't recommend getting that scared to actually run, but sometimes in a place like Memphis, you got all 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 your choices to run. So, um, but that was, was a different time. So, you know, with the big 12 championship or sorry, I say the big 12 championship you wish, but KU playing, um, in a bowl game in Memphis, then you have to, you have to live it up, man. You, you gotta go to the restaurants. You gotta eat the etouffee. You gotta eat the crawfish gumbo. And, you, you know, it might not be New Orleans, but it's decently close. And there's so much to do in New Orleans. It's 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 really a great city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in Memphis, you mean? Yeah. Um, Memphis would be a great time. I'm looking forward to uh, getting out there and experiencing everything that there is to experience with Memphis. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a quick trip. Uh, you know, just just stay in one night, but no problem. What I'll do, Tom, like, besides just trying to survive on Bill Street, I got to get to Graceland and I got to visit Graceland. Have I told you my uh, my family's connection? Uh, my 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 Elvis story here. Your dad's probably great great grandpa's Elvis, isn't it? No, 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 not quite, but. Not 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 that far off, actually. So this would be fun to get back to Memphis. I used to go to Tennessee a lot growing up, in particular Memphis, because that's where my uh, dad's side of the family, uh, they're all from. They're all from Covington, Tennessee, just outside of Memphis there. And uh, my grandmother, uh, her parents, they uh, owned a store on Beale Street many years ago. And 
Elvis, when he was 12 dad, years old. Dad's... Yes, on my dad's side. Elvis, when he was 12 years old, played at my great-grandparents' grand opening of their store. And my grandmother, who I think she was about seven or eight years old at the time, she sat on Elvis's lap, and he gave her a little kiss on the cheek. And she's been in love with Elvis ever since and been Elvis's biggest fan. And, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. So Elvis uh, was a part of our family's lives, the Presleys and the Powells. Uh, that's you know, my, my grandmother's uh, maiden name, you know, her side of the family, the, the Presleys and the Powells, they knew each other. And, you know, they, uh, they got private tours to Graceland and everything. So, uh, a homecoming of sorts, you'd call it that. I, I, I'm excited to get uh, reacquainted, go back to Graceland, and uh, and see all the uh, great history with Elvis Presley, and and uh, love the connection that uh, our family shared. And Dan, that's pretty interesting. I did not know that, but yeah, I mean, there's no other place like Memphis. So, um, I I I'm rooting for you to have a good time, and um. <laughs> Bed. If you stay in a hotel and not a family heirloom, then definitely Napoleon. Yeah, uh, you'll have, you'll have a great time. So I got, you know, my my mom's side of the family. They're connected, you know, with uh, with Garth and Garth Brooks, and uh, my dad's side of the family is connected to uh, the Presleys and Elvis. So. Uh, Small, uh, small world, as they say, Tom. Oh, yeah, it's always a very small world, especially when you get into the money vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, Tom, we begin today with a uh, look around the uh, National Football League, and uh, then we'll move to our uh, Big 12 breakdown, but Let's uh let's go through these things one by one here. Uh beginning with your Rams taking on the Raiders tonight. Baker Mayfield is now in town. Unlikely that he starts for the Rams tonight. But what is your reaction, Tom, to Baker making his way to LA and working under Sean McVay here. What do you, what was your initial reaction when you found out the news? Yeah, Jones, my initial reaction is like, okay, well, the season's lost. So, <laughs> you know, I, I get why they're doing it. I don't, you know, I'm like, okay, well, he's better than John Wolford. He's better than Bryce Perkins. Um, I still hated it, though. <laughs> you know, and I – you know, at, at this point, I don't hate Baker. I used to hate Baker more for, like, who he was as a player, like, in terms of his attitude. And I'm still not happy with it. But I'm like, you know what? You know, whatever. If if he wants to lead us back, Kurt Warner style, to the greatest show on turf, then, you know what? Let's do it. So, you know, I'm, I'm in, in a weird way, I, I don't root for the type of attitude he has as a player. I think he's changed, though. I think he he doesn't have that attitude anymore because he's not the player he once was, whether that be, you know, because of being in Cleveland where players go to die or being in Carolina where he is, wasn't really very supported 
Um, I, I'm I'm sure he is going to love Sean McVay. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's Sean McVay. Dare I say? By dare far I the best he coach the he's best, ever been with. Exactly. Dare I say he has the best opportunity to be the same quarterback he was at OU? Yeah. Dare I say? And and even with subpar receivers being with with uh obviously cup out, might as well be out for the season. And then um you know, the rest of the receivers not being so hot. But he is he is the best opportunity he's had thus far. Well, and you know even with Wolford the shirt and Perkins have shown really nothing here. I mean if Baker impresses that locker room and earns the respect of his coaches and plays fairly well here, this could turn into a situation for Baker where he earns the backup job to be behind Stafford and is in until Stafford leaves. Yeah, and either has a chance to replace Stafford down the line or uh, you know gains the respect of others to get that chance elsewhere again. Like this is a this is a perfect rehab situation, potentially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is this is the best coaching staff he's probably ever had, even in a, even in a down Rams year, um, even with all the receivers hurt. Like Sean McVay is still a great coach. Uh, it's been injury riddled season for the Rams, but I, I'm I'm very interested to see what Sean McVay and crew do for Baker, and I'm 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 very interested to see what Baker is going to do for the Rams. Um, he's, he's still obviously that guy that says I have something to prove. So while the Rams may be out of the playoff, um, I still think I I would expect the Rams to win more than half of their games that are left, but I don't, I don't know. He's he's not going to play. He's not going to play versus the Raiders tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So. He might, he, you know, who knows? Fuck it, he might. We'll see. They Bills, they might roll. They might roll him out there. Why not? Bills and Jets. Von Miller out for the season. Uh, I know a lot of people were all are very concerned, and you know, I hate it for Von with the injuries that piled up for him. I'm glad he did get that Ringo with the Rams last year, but nonetheless, uh, Tom. I think it's an overreaction to write off the Bills from losing Von Miller. I mean, they were great last year without Von Miller on this roster. He was just extra as far as I'm concerned of making a great team even greater. Uh, I feel bad for Von here, but, I mean, that's an overreaction for some of these talking heads that want to say the Bills can't win it all just because they don't have Von Miller, I think. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, they're still dangerous. They're still... They still have Josh Allen. They still have Diggs. Like, they still got a great running back core. They can still score. They can still put up points. The defense is still good. Um, I mean, the Bills are still very much in it. And and what are they tied with the Chiefs right now for the number one overall seed? And they got the tiebreaker. You're right. They're going to be fine. Now, Von Miller, losing Von Miller does hurt. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. They didn't have him last year, and they were fine. You know, so, um, you know, it's 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 Casey, it's Buffalo, and it's Cincinnati, and then it's – you could probably argue then after that, that's everybody else in the AFC. Yeah, I think so. Speaking of 
uh, Cincinnati, eight and four, about to play the Browns here. And, you know, Cincinnati's getting in their groove. You take on the Browns, then the Bucs, then the Patriots, then the Bills, then the Ravens here. That's a gauntlet. And remember, they're coming off wins against the Chiefs and the Titans, too. This Bengals team, if they can survive this, they very well might get right back to the Super Bowl here. I mean, they can uh, they can create a lot of momentum if they look strong here to finish off the season. And right now, they've passed the test the last couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, they're pretty still unreal. Like, they can still inflict damage. They can still do what they do. You know, it, it's – like I said, it's a toss-up between the Chiefs, the Bills, and, you know, you could throw a couple other teams in there, but, and, you know, and obviously Joey B in, in company, and they have just kind of just weaning Jamar Chase back into the fold, um, but still very dangerous, and, 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 you know, they feel comfortable enough. I think that one injury is not going to derail the season like it has for the Rams, so. Um, still very much in this. Like, if you're a true football fan, the eyes aren't even in the AFC, and they shouldn't have been all season. The eyes are in the AFC. Um, I mean, it's 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 closer than two rats fucking in a wool sock. The hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You never heard two rats fucking in a wool sock? That's the closest you can get. I'll be honest, I have not. That's a new one. That's uh, another, hey, that's courtesy of John Bridges. Okay. Huh. All right. Uh, that's an interesting visual. Um, Cowboys taking on the Texans. Uh, Tom, I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised that OBJ is not a member of the Cowboys by now. I, I thought that the way they rolled out the red carpet, you know, everything that they did for him, I think it was, it was all setting up to be OBJ signing – with the Cowboys, and then we hear the report they didn't like the way the medicals came back. Um, they didn't even care about the plane ride. Yeah. That, that to me, I, I thought that he was going to be it, – it seemed like the way Jerry was talking about him, all of it just seemed like it made sense. But it, it's – barring something drastic now, the way this has played out, I'd be almost surprised if he ends up in Dallas now. I mean, yeah, you know, having the problem with the physical and then having that plane ride thing happen, you know, and, and then it's like, okay, well, you sign him for the year and then, okay, sure, you're going to have to re-sign him next year. Why not just say, well, let's just wait. Dallas is doing fine on their own. Uh, you know, they're going to make the playoff. It's. I, would I be shocked if they lost in the wild card? Absolutely not. That's just the Dallas way of things. But um, they've done the best this year since I, I don't know what ninety seven. Yeah. So I mean, you know, if you're a Dallas fan, all you have to can say is like, "Well, more power to you." Yeah. Uh, Vikings uh, taking on the Lions. Uh, we'll pick that game coming up later, but. Tom, uh, I'm hearing these people talk about Jared Goff, and you know he's played better. I get all that, but 
to say that all of a sudden that the Rams made the right made the wrong choice, they chose the wrong quarterback. To me, that's a bridge too far. You didn't trade. It wasn't about Stafford or Golf straight up. It was that you got a Super Bowl out of it. You made that move and you got a ring. You can't attach their worth in the long term and all that when you got a ring out of it. I don't know if the Rams, in fact, I'll say this straight up. The Rams would not have won a ring with Jared Goff. They did win a ring with Matt Stafford. You traded for a Super Bowl. You It wasn't about your future beyond that. That, that to me, you can't replicate. I mean, yeah, you know, he's he's playing good, and he, he's, uh, you know, is he doing enough to win? Is he doing enough to win? Or even a better question, Jones, is it necessarily all on him? You know, I feel like, you know, maybe previously it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if you don't play like a superstar, if you don't play like where you were drafted, um, granted – you know, it could be great offense, shit defense, or vice versa. Uh, kind of getting the hang of it now. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of the coaching, I, I it's not as good as maybe what he had, but it's I, I, I still believe in what is there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, Jared Goff's playing very well, for sure. Uh, meanwhile, the, uh, the Eagles and the Titans or, or the Eagles and the Giants rather, uh, Giants, uh, sitting at seven, four and one. I think they're on the downward spiral. The Eagles at 11 and one here. And you see the way things are going around them. The Vikings at 10 and two, who they've already beat the schedule that remains for the Eagles. You get the bears again with the Cowboys, Saints and Giants. I think that's manageable here. I, I, I think the Eagles, barring a collapse, are in prime position to get that one seed. It, 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 I would be shocked if the Eagles fall apart and don't have this one seed when it's all said and done here, Tom. No, I, I, I think they're uh, – I, I don't even know what type of term you would put this in, but I liked how you put it. Um, they're, you know, almost fall apartness. Um, and, and there's still such a lot of a time to go. So, and I, I feel like as a vendor or a person like that, you provide the food, the drinks, when that's all gone and said and done, and you got to go back and talk to your, your sales guy or your person. And you don't have a, um, really don't have a loaded, um, material job from where you're trying to, I don't know you're trying to pick and choose from then i can see that so um man i'm trying to think like it's like okay well quote the fasteners and we'll go from there right yeah uh ravens and steelers ravens have not been playing good the last few weeks lamar jackson is going to be out for a bit tyler huntley's a very capable backup one of the best backups in the league but you have the Bengals right on your heels and you're not playing good football and your quarterback's out. In addition to all the other injuries the Ravens have gone through as well. Is it time to panic in Baltimore, Tom? Um, you know, I think a lot of fans will want that, but you know, and, and Tom, you know, Bowles has had not the best season. So, but I think that, that Andy Reed can, 
you know, I'd be very interested to see what and how the Saints move in terms of. No, I'm talking about the Ravens. The Ravens. Oh, sorry. I mean, yeah, sure, the Ravens, but, um, you know, you want to talk about Lamar maybe not playing up to standard. I know that he might be a little bit banged up, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, okay, how long can he can he sustain what we know he can do all the way through the playoffs? Or, you know, we've, we've watched the Ravens, even with Lamar healthy, We've watched them choke away leads all season. They, they've been easily the biggest choke artist, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, out of out of every thirty-two NFL teams, so I'd be very interested to see what John Harbaugh and crew do in Baltimore. And you know, they're what they're ahead of that division by a game, or are they tied with the Bengals? Yeah, they're tied with the Bengals, and they got the tiebreaker right now. Yeah. You know, and even if they wind up wild card, they can still make some noise. But like. John Harbaugh, is he on the hot seat in terms of choking away games? I don't know because, you know, at this point, like, okay, well, as long you know, winning's a cure-all, if you still win and make the playoffs, like, where's 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 the limit for John? Yeah, I mean, he's already won a Super Bowl, so I think he's right, you trust him. most. I think that the big thing they got to do is, is Greg Roman's the problem, I think. I think – I mean, yeah, he's pretty OC, bad. Greg Roman, I think there's a good chance he's not back next year. I mean, they they can find definitely better than than Greg. Yeah, uh, you would hope. Yeah, I mean, you you got to be able to pass the football in this league, and we know Lamar can pass it, but he's not being put in a position to succeed at his best on that front. Well, and then you can you can tell the frustration level. Yes, definitely so. Bucks and 49ers. Bucks get a miracle comeback win against the Saints last week. 49ers lose Jimmy G. They turn to Brock Purdy here. And I know it's one game, Tom, and we try not to read much into one game, but I think this game means a hell of a lot for both these teams. The Bucks have a chance to make a statement to prove that last week wasn't a fluke, get above 500, start that playoff push. Meanwhile, the 49ers – they're two quarterbacks down. You beat Tom Brady. If you beat the Bucs here and do it with Brock Purdy, I mean, then you're not going down quietly here. This is a huge game for both these teams. Oh, my gosh. It's 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 one of the bigger games all season. But it's still super low-key, right? It's still super, super, duper low-key. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is one of the bigger games. It's – it, it – not only determines, you know, maybe the fate of your team, but, you know, for those of us that have a team that is not going to make it, then I'm under the pressure of like, well, why not? You know, let's get it done. Why not? But for the, I guess you could say Stranger Things um, or my, what is this? What's the movie titles like Alone with My Father? Or something like that. Can't think of it. Um, but I asked, I actually asked our friend Jose to send the book if he had it. Um, but he said he had the first two Goggins books that he could let me borrow. But back on topic, it's like, well, you can do this and pay $300 to have a dog from 
a Labrador retriever out of New Orleans, uh, or you know, I I don't know, Jones. I being what we talked about. Would you rather have a dog from New Orleans? Or would you rather have a dog from Baltimore? And would you rather pay three hundred for it, or would you rather pay seven fifty? And is that like comparing Brock Purdy to Jimmy G? Where or is this go? Where are you going with this? No, no, no. I'm tying it in. I'm tying it in. Okay. Let me I'm I'm asking you though. I guess would you I, would have a, the, I would take the latter over the former, I guess. Yeah. What would you you'd take the cheaper dog and go from the Hooter City? Yeah, I I'd take the cheaper dog. Yeah. So you would take in, in this case, when I compare it back, you would take your chances and go Brock Purdy over Huntley. Over uh, Tyler Huntley? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, that's for, for a playoff push. For a playoff push. For a playoff push? Well, okay, I, I see where you're going with that because you – I don't think Tyler Huntley could ever lead a team to a Super Bowl. I don't know that with Brock Purdy. Oh, here we go. But, I mean, the odds are probably less likely, but it's the unknown. I see where you're going there. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting predicament for sure. Come yeah, on. That's a, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a weird metaphor, simile yeah. area that it's brought you into, but. I, I figured it was relevant for my time, but. Yes. A um, couple more for you. Panthers <laughs> and Seahawks. Uh, trap game totally here for Seattle. Uh, Seattle has struggled with stopping the run all year, and Carolina can run the football pretty well. And in all four games that Carolina's won, they've run the football well. So not great for Seattle on that front. But with the Niners having to turn to Brock Purdy here, and with the Seahawks playing the Niners next week at home, you look down the stretch for this Seahawks team, Panthers, Niners, Chiefs, Jets, Rams. Realistically, I think Seattle can go 4-1 and one to finish out the year. And with knowing where the Niners are at, with one of those wins being head-to-head, -head, and then the Niners potentially losing another one or two down the stretch here, I know that the – the analytics nerds, Tom, give the Seahawks like a less than 30% chance to win the division right now. But I, and I'm not being biased covering this team or anything, but I like their chances to still win the NFC West here. I like their chances better than San Francisco because the way their schedule plays out and with what San Francisco has ahead with the unknown with Brock Purdy involved here, um, I think the Seahawks are in good shape right now. I, I, I think they could surprise the people still win this division. As much as I hate to say it, and I I hate the Seahawks. Oh, we, we talked about this earlier off the show when you said, well, you hate every quarterback in the NFC West. And I do. Um, and I only hate Geno Smith because he plays for the Seahawks. Um, because that's my most hated team other than Dallas Cowboys. But I think you're absolutely right. I think see I think the Seahawks can do it. I think other than Sean McVay, Pete Carroll is the best coach in the NFC West. 
Um, I think he can do it. And what a freaking great story. What a great story. Like, we talked about this team, and we, uh, you know, me and several others talked so much shit on the Seahawks. We thought they were a number, you know, between one and five pick going in, and they've shocked the whole world. Um, and, and the Seahawks have been formidable, and they've dealt with a lot of injuries at the running back position, um, and they've still managed to make it this far. And and you know what, you know, at, at, you know, as an NFC NFC West guy, fuck the 49ers. I hope the Seahawks do it. I I think they can. I absolutely think they can. Well, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, one more NFL note to uh, touch on: Dolphins and Chargers. Dolphins at eight and four. Uh, now they're back to the wild card as the Bills have taken the division lead. I think we all thought that was going to happen. Um, but now you pay, face a Chargers team who's not out of it yet. Still got a chance to make a wild card spot. Not only do the Dolphins need the win to get back on track and try to keep up in the division race and all that, yada, 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 sure. But, Tom, I, I, I think from a pride and an ego standpoint, if I'm Tua, I need to ball out because all Tua has heard the last three years was that the Dolphins made a mistake drafting just him over Justin Herbert. And that Justin Herbert's been the better quarterback. Justin Herbert's had a down year this year. Granted, he did have the rib injury. But Tua, here he is playing at a high level all year long. And now here's his chance going up head-to-head with Justin Herbert here. If I'm Tua, I'd take this game personal uh, as far as I'm concerned. I think you're right. Um, Another point I'd like to bring in is that, sure, it's versus quarterbacks, and, you know, maybe Herbert doesn't see Tua like Tua sees Herbert. But in the same vein, I think that Brandon Staley, low-key, low-key, I think Brandon Staley may be coaching for his job. I I wouldn't be shocked. Chargers need to make the playoffs. They have too many players. Their defense was stacked. They, they had so much high expectation coming in. They don't make the playoffs again this year. Brandon said he's already low-key on the hot seat. I, I think I think he's one of the one of the coaches that would get fired, and then half of Twitter might be like, wow, I can't believe they did it. And the other half of Twitter might be like, uh, I don't know what you watched all season or even in the last season, but uh, it's pretty clear that Brandon Staley's the D.C. and not a head coach. I would. I mean, I, I think he's coaching for his job. He very well could be. Um, Sean Payton might be the next head coach of the LA Chargers next year. I mean, oh no, yeah, he could. He very well could. We'll see. Uh, Big Twelve breakdown coming up next. Uh, Riley Gates set to join us in a little while from right now. We got Coach Bo uh, on standby as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week. All that and more coming up. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. It's time now for our Big 12 breakdown. Our look around the Big 12 conference where we break down the latest happenings uh, in this league. And uh, we begin each and every week with our hot takes. 
And Tom, we got plenty to discuss even with no Big 12 games going on this upcoming week. But now that we we have a number of ways to go with it, whether you want to talk coaching change-wise, transfer portal, um, you know, the bowl situations, whatever, whatever it may be, Tom, the floor is yours. I'll begin with you. Where are you going to go to hot take-wise for Big 12 this year? I'm going to go to hot take where I know it the best. And if you listen all season, you'd probably say, well, Tom's probably going to Stillwater, and you're pretty spot on. We know that Spencer Sanders is not returning to this Oklahoma State Cowboys team. Uh, We know that Trace Ford, probably, I don't know, maybe the best defensive player on the team. Um, you know, you could you could throw around some different options on off on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he has also entered the transfer portal. You can look to some sort of uh, what's happening in Stillwater scandal when you talk about the younger Presley brother, Braylon Presley. Uh, also enter the transferring portal. You can you know there's there's several OSU players entering the transfer portal, um, but none other brought the attention to national media like Spencer Sanders saying, hey, I'm dipping out. Jones, hot take. Hot take. A lot of people in Stillwater, I think, wanted Cade McNamara. He ends up going to Iowa. Um, you know, you can you can do DJ from Clemson. You could you could want that or you could say something like that. Um, for DJ Ungalalalea, or however you pronounce his last name. I call him DJU. Um, Come to Stillwater. Hot take here. And it, it might not be too much of a hot take. I'm not going big this week. I'm saying Hudson, Hudson Card coming to Payne County, coming to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Hudson Card, Texas Longhorns, played great when Quinn Ewers was, you know, out and out and done for, um, you know, did what he needed to do. I like Hudson, Hudson Card in the next two weeks to say he's coming to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Well, you uh, you must have been watching college football now by Chad Sports, where uh, I listed Hudson Card's number one destination uh, as Oklahoma State uh, before Spencer Sanders entered the portal. So uh, with, with that – yeah, I think Hudson Carr is going to in Stillwater uh, when it's all said and done. But my hot take, I'll stick with the Cowboys as well, Tom. And I'll say this. They lost so much. And we've heard a lot over the last couple of days of how much Mike Gundy lost that locker room and lost the respect of those uh, in the locker room. And that, you know, Casey Dunn wasn't doing a good job, that Derek Mason wasn't doing a good job. I think next year is make or break for Mike Gundy. You cannot have this happen again. You can't have another seven-win season and half your roster walk out the door. That's not acceptable. Not acceptable. Mike Gundy has to go back into the portal and go get more talent, and they got to win more football games next year. Oklahoma State's got great facilities. They got a bright future 
in the Big 12 Conference as one of the flagship teams of the entire league now going forward. Um, but they can't settle to be content. This is a team that needs to be contending for conference titles every year. Seven wins should not be acceptable. Um, you know, they, they, I, I think it's, this puts the pressure on. I, I man, I, I wish T Boone Pickens was still around for a lot of reasons, but oh, he'd have a fit. If T Boone was, if T Boone was around, they would have already hung Casey down outside the stadium. T Boone would have loved the NIL era and he would not have settled for what's going on in Stillwater right now. Yeah, Casey Dunn's got to be done. And, and, and you know, to be honest, that I think what hurts OSU the most, I think that's why Braylon Presley's gone. I think that's, you know, well, Dominic Richardson, one of the running backs, is also hitting the transfer portal. But a lot of people are like, oh, well, he can hit the transfer portal. And that's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not that the playing time and yada yada's being thrown around well in, in terms of the running backs Dominic Richardson's gone he, he was a great running back but Ollie Gordon we saw what Ollie good Gordon could do and and Dominic Richardson was going to take a back seat um the def- defense worries me more it also came out that and I didn't know this either um Derek Mason was only on a one-year contract so it'll be interesting to see what he wants to do his name got thrown around for Arizona State and a couple other jobs. I think even Stanford, he got thrown around in that head coaching job. Um, but we'll see what they do to extend him. But Jones, you know what? Even even um, the president of the university, Dr. Shrum, her husband even got into a little Twitter trouble um, in the Mason Cobb thing, you know, you know, if, if, if you watch Big 12 and you know who Mason Cobb is, linebacker for Oklahoma State, he entered the transfer portal. He was like one of the first dominoes to fall. Um, but there was a little background info on, on Texas A&M essentially saying, hey, let's throw some money at you and literally paid him to leave OSU. So it hasn't been formally announced, but everybody in the Big 12 expects Mason Cobb to go to AM. Um, so you know not only do you lose players because hey you're not throwing around money or Mike Gundy has lost the locker room um, you're also losing players to other former Big 12 schools that are willing to throw money so it, it's it's a weird time Jones in the NCAA Um with the NIL going on to see how schools build up their NIL program. Um, right. they're, they're doing right now at OSU pokes with a purpose, trying to get fans to throw in $5 a month to, to you know, maybe even booster. It's, 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 you know, it's essentially boosters. It's right. like the – rather give money, though, Tom, uh, to KU's – NIL collective than I would to their, uh, you know, to the endowment going back to the students, whatever. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, money I wouldn't pay any. People, I'd pay $5 a month to fire Casey Dunn. See, if I'm going to throw money back to school, I'm buying players. I'm not wasting my time giving money to endowment. Yeah, that's fair, too. Um. 
But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State's in big turmoil right now. Things are in trouble with Mike Gundy and that Oklahoma State program for sure uh, on that front. Uh, also on, on the portal, um, something to look at there. Staying within the same state in Oklahoma. OU and Brent Venables, they've done a really good job. They've already had some nice pickups in the portal. They haven't lost a whole lot. They've made some positive gains. We know that they got a great recruiting class coming in. And similar to what I said with OSU, but different circumstances for OU here, we know that Brent Venables, in his year in Norman so far, Tom, he's proven the guy can recruit. He's a good salesman. I mean, he brings in – he's brought in some good high school talent, now some good kids in the transfer portal. He's a good salesman. But is he a good head coach? I don't know. In this, what the what this has done with the system where it's at now, you have eighty five scholarships that you can use in any way you want in a year right now, where you can bring in as many transfer portal and as many high school players as you want, as long as you're you cap it on at eighty five. Brent's done a good job finding talent, no question. But pressure's on in Norman now. Brent Venables, um, I think. Next year, realistically, anything less than 10 wins for that Oklahoma team is a failure, and that's an indictment directly on Brent Fenables now. I mean, I can't say you're lying. Yeah? I can't. I mean, I can't say you're wrong. I mean, uh, you know, to be fair, Jones, a lot of the OU fans expected that this year, which was, on, you know, that, that – should have never been expected, but I mean, you know, terrible timing for Brent Venables of, of his hiring and trying to recruit. There was no way he could have put together a good roster last year, but next I mean, year, no excuse. I mean, this year was for a lot of OU fans. They haven't seen this about a year since the nineties. A lot of OU fans had never seen this because they hadn't been born, but you know, a lot of this year was copium. What I like, I love to call it copium, you know, he dealt with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley leaving and the roster being gutted. And then you had just copium of Dylan Gabriel being the second coming of fucking Sam Bradford, which was never going to happen. But you call it copium for a reason, you know. But you're absolutely right. Now, year under his belt, Brett Venables has to get it together. He's got the recruits. He's brought in some people. Um, anything less than 10 wins is a disappointment. I think anything less than eight or really you got to win nine. You got to win nine. If you lose, if you win eight or less, then is it grounds for an, a firing? I, I don't know. It depends really who's available. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. Um, moving on from the transfer portal, one coaching change in the Big 12, and this still sounds even weird to say, in the Big 12, um, Cincinnati hires Scott Satterfield from Louisville to be their new head coach replacing Luke Fickle. We talked on last week's show, Tom, that it was a huge loss for Cincinnati and for the new Big 12 to lose Luke Fickle, who is probably one of the top 10, 15 coaches in America to Wisconsin that Cincinnati would let him go like that. But to replace him with Scott Satterfield, 
Satterfield hasn't done shit at Louisville. He hasn't done anything there. I mean, has he been bad? I mean, he hasn't necessarily been bad, but he hasn't been good either. He's just been mediocre, been average. Sure, he knows how to recruit the area, and he's been in the Power Five at Louisville. I get all that. But there was a lot of good candidates, and there was a lot of people interested in that Cincinnati job. And I thought Satterfield was closer to getting fired than getting another Power Five job. Um, Cincinnati, you just went to the playoff a year ago. You had a golden opportunity to build off of the success that was there from Luke Fickle. And personally, I think they blew it. I, I'd give this hi- this hiring an F, Tom. Who would you have gotten? Um, right there within their own staff. I, I, I may have just promoted Mike Trestle, their DC, the nephew of Jim Trestle. Um, yeah, you know, that'd been not bad. That'd probably been better. I think even a trade, I think even bringing in Jim Leonard from Wisconsin would have been better. You know, I wouldn't argue with that either. Um, even Dion, I, I think. If they would have offered, I, I don't know. I don't know if Dion would have. If they would have offered more money, okay. Here's a question. Where, where I also heard. I also heard rumors. Rumors for Colorado to the Big Twelve today. Yeah. Um. If Cincinnati offered more money to Dion than Colorado, you think he's taking Colorado over Cincinnati? No. Cincinnati's an easier place to win than Colorado. I don't know. Do you want Rick? recreational weed or do you want skyline chili Ooh. Uh, that's tough yeah you probably don't want both either that might not mix well yeah i don't know if i i, I don't know if i'd eat high skyline chili yeah that, that, might sound, that sounds like a vomit inducing yeah that, that, that sounds bad on the stomach yeah especially like an edible before that yeah that would have been good yeah oh man i couldn't even imagine yeah, <laughs> yeah. goodness but I thought Cincinnati blew this. Uh, I hated that hire. Now, maybe Satterfield proves me wrong. Uh, we'll see. But I, I thought it was a mistake, and they're going to regret it, and I think that's going to set that program back. But to this, um, that Cincinnati program, Tom, you know, everybody thought they missed it when they hired Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville still won, averaged like seven wins a year. I mean – they might have, you know, just scooched the pooch hiring Satterfield here. But, I mean, the way that program's going and the way things have stabilized, I mean, they could still be even a seven-win team potentially with the wrong guy in charge. Like, part of what Cincinnati's done a, a good job of is the resources around that program have made it good even when they haven't made the right hire. I mean, yeah. I mean, going to the Big 12, I, I think they'll get players that they normally wouldn't have, you know. And and I'm very interested to see, you know, I, I think the first year will tell us a lot, you know. And, and I think they'll benefit, obviously, from coming to the Big 12. And I, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see the Cincinnati team, see what they can do, and see what type of uh, kind of competitiveness that they're going to bring to the Big 12. Like, they have, 
you know, it's this is not like Tulsa coming to the Big Twelve. Like since I, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that lightly in terms of like, okay, you guys didn't already know that. Um, you know, like Cincinnati can be a good team. Um, I mean, look at I, – I see them kind of like I see TCU, right? Coming into the Big 12, you know, had some success. Obviously, TCU before they came into the Big 12, you know, had your Andy Dalton in, in crew and had that recent success and then came into the Big 12 and then did struggle some seasons. But, I mean, damn it, look at TCU. They're in the fucking playoff. Um, uh, you know, as as a power five team, and, and went essentially undefeated until they met a, a very strong, resilient K State team that took them overtime to get it done in the Big Twelve Championship. So, it, I'm I'm not saying in five years that I couldn't see Cincinnati had that same success, or you know, if it's not five years, give it ten years, or if it's not even ten, hell, give it. Give it, you know, maybe we see that in, in four, you know. Um, I, I, well, that's not out of the question. It, it, it's it's the wrong hire. Um, if they keep fickle, I think they have a shot to make the Big 12 title game in their very first year. Not now. That's over with. I think that that's, that's a pipe dream at this point. Do you blame Luke Fickle? Do I blame Luke Fickle for leaving? Um why would you want to go to the Big Ten and be the number three program behind Ohio State and Michigan when you can dominate with? I think Cincinnati could be the best, be right up there among the best of the best of the Big Twelve every year. That's true. How much money? How much money though? What's the money differential? Uh, he got a pretty good, good cut of the pie at Wisconsin. I don't know if Cincinnati. I mean, he, he's he's is he so he's he's chasing the bag. I think that's what it is. That's what I think so. Um, I mean, Colorado. Let's bring that up real quick, and then we'll talk about TCU and the playoff and all this. Um, TCU with uh, Colorado. Uh, our buddy, friend of the show, Tim Brando, is uh, been going around the last couple days, and he's suggesting that Dion is going to bring Colorado back home to the Big Twelve. We've heard rumblings for the last couple months that Arizona wants to go to the Big Twelve, but. They want they need somebody to go with them to make said move. Um that's one of the things I wanted Dion at, at Cincinnati. I would have loved to see Dion in the league. If Dion and Colorado come to the Big 12, um prime time of the Big 12, that Colorado program, I think Dion's gonna start winning pretty fast at Colorado too. Yeah. That would be That'd be electric. I mean, even if Dion wasn't at Colorado, I'd want Colorado in the league. But you had Dion to it, watch out. He would be the face of the league pretty fast, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm scared of that. Uh, as a, a just as a Big Twelve OSU fan, a little scared of that. Just he, you know, being in Boulder, that's a big party school. Um, not, <laughs> not to mention the recreational marijuana which should be on the ballot and is going to be on the ballot for the people's vote in Oklahoma. So maybe we compete with them, but damn it, man. I don't know if you're a party in Boulder, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. And if you could play for a coach like Dion freaking Sanders, then why not? Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's the type of coach 
that, you know, I heard a lot of stuff happen in Jackson State, um, a lot of scandal stuff that I think is going to come out soon. Um, but, damn, if, if, if you know, Colorado, you've, you've heard the reports of, uh, well, we don't have the money yet, but we're going to have the money. Um, well worth it. Um, you know, for a team that shit the bed so hard this season, it's been, you know, back to the cupcake team. They have shades of, uh, they have shades of, uh, Baylor pre Art Bryles. And then the, the turnaround as much as Art Bryles is a piece of shit, but, um, same turnaround I could see happening, um, without the scandal. Um, I mean, Colorado could be. Colorado could go from worst to first real quick. And, you know, we also heard Brett Yormark say this past week that they want to tap into the Pacific time zone. Colorado <laughs> Mountain Time Zone School, we'd take them anyway. But the Big 12's not done yet. We heard Yormark say they're open for business. And... You got a couple Eastern time zone schools now. You got three in Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UCF. You got all your central time zone schools. You got one mountain time zone school in BYU. But if you can get a couple more mountain and get into the Pacific, and I know Gonzaga has been heavily rumored, and there's been discussions as of late. Um the, the floodgates are about to open. I, I, I know that we've been talking about this for, for months on end, but something's got to break eventually. I don't know if it's Colorado. I don't know if it's Gonzaga. I don't know if it's one of the four corner schools, whatever it may be. There's too much momentum, too much positive things heading this league's direction. The new T- TV deal and all this, that – the fruits of their labor is not going to pay off with something here sooner rather than later here, Tom. I don't know what it is. Don't know if it's Colorado, Gonzaga, or whatever it may be, but something's going to happen. Yeah, you know, and if Colorado drops and comes, or, you know, maybe they package the deal with Arizona, um, I, I mean, I, I, that could very easily be the first domino, the first real domino to fall. Even getting Gonzaga at this point I think would be a big win. I would do, yeah. Can you imagine the basketball? I mean, the basketball is already unreal right now. Um, I mean, what you know, as as it as it pains me to say, golly, it hurts me. Um, last week, every Big Twelve team in college basketball, besides freaking Oklahoma State, obviously, got votes for the top twenty-five. It's the best. I mean. At this point, anybody that tells you that the Big 12 is not the best basketball league is is lying to you, is is biased, is lying to you. It's it's unbelievably competitive. It is absolutely the fucking English Premier League of of college basketball. And and no one's even getting close. Um, you know, uh, the Big 12 stands to put, you know, as many as they can put in every single year in, in, into the big dance. And in this year you could easily put, I'm, I'm calling eight. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's enough wins to go around for everybody to get eight, but there are I mean, what, what last year, last year was there seven or seven. I mean, there's, there's quality teams. I just don't know if there's the wins there, but I see where you're going at for sure. Um, real quick. 
and we have more time over the next couple weeks to break down the college football playoff and TCU in depth and all that. We'll, we'll get we'll we'll do that more over the next couple weeks. But just kind of you know looking at this point here, TCU's in. They're the three seed, and we're going to talk more about this with Riley Gates too here in just a moment. But Tom, I think this all worked out pretty good. TCU loses a close game in overtime, and they weren't punished for it. Um, K-State gets their first Big 12 title in 10 years. They finish off the year strong. We get a great game. The ratings were incredible. 10 million people watched uh, on Saturday afternoon to see that game. And, uh, you know, TCU is still A-OK. It also defeats the narrative, too, that – if you're not Oklahoma or Texas, you have to go undefeated and make the playoff. Well, they lost one game. They still made it in. With them, the best-case scenario would have been if TCU would have, you know, won and just had no controversy whatsoever, you know, but but they didn't. So the next best thing, I think, worked out pretty dang well. TCU gets in, even with one loss. They lose a close game. Now they get to regroup. They get to see what they did wrong. Go fix those flaws when you lose. Your weaknesses are exposed. You have a chance to get better off that. Um, this could actually work out pretty nicely for TCU here. I mean, yeah. And, and you know, uh, TCU, I think, is very competitive. And I, 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 they have a high-flying offense. Uh, you know, they get, you know, what, three – well, they get a month to figure it out. And they know their opponent. Um, you know, Sonny Dykes has has been, you know, incredible for them. So, uh, you know, TCU should be rewarded for that, and they were. And and you know, I I think the rest of the what we call the hateful eight are uh, rooting for uh, the Hypnotoad baby. And I'll say this though, um, TCU did deserve to lose Saturday. When you don't go for it at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, when you choose to play for overtime, I mean, that that right there, that's that's some pussy shit. And then <laughs> in overtime, when they didn't call a quarterback sneak on either one of those goal line plays, that was just stupid. Um, I hated the Shades of OSU last year at the end of that game, but hopefully they learn from it and they get better. I think that people could be overlooking this TCU team against Michigan. I can tell you this, I'm not picking TCU to win, but I think TCU is going to be more competitive than people realize here. For sure. I mean, they're not, you know, I mean, K-State, you know, the way they beat K-State, in, in the regular season, the way they beat them, they were down by what, like 17? Yeah, came back and win by 10. Yeah, I mean, and hurt the quarterback and yada, yada, yada. This this was already written in the in the stones, you know, for K-State to, to, to pull this off. Uh, this is written in the sky. And, and so, you know, K-State gets what they want. They, you know, you know, K-State, golly. What they lost to TCU, they lost to Tulane, which actually didn't end up looking terrible. 
um, considering all things, the way the T- Tulane had their season. And then they lose two to Texas. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, you know, if a couple things go K-State's way, we're talking about the Purple Cats in the playoff. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the other thing, too, like TCU and K-State – Obviously, K State's just as good as TCU. You know, they they won. You know, they won the Big Twelve title. This new playoff, that TCU team, that K State team that got off to a rough start, now they come in with momentum and they're the Big Twelve champs, and they get a seat at the table. and Let's see them figure it out. That's Watch where out. This new playoff comes in where it helps out teams uh, like K State who may have started out slow, but now they got it figured out. Now they're a force to be reckoned with. I mean. If if you threw K State in the fourteen playoff this year, I think they would get have just as good a chance against Michigan as TCU does. Oh, hundred percent, and and you know, freaking watch out, Nick Saban. Like, like I, you know, if if K State upset, well, I don't, I, I, you know, that's that's another interesting part. Is is K State beating Bama? Is that a how big of an upset is that? Um, Bama's got a lot of opt-outs already. Um, and Deuce Vaughn has already said he's playing for K-State. So, in a regular season game, yeah, that would be an upset. But I don't think with the circumstance, you know, bowl games are not what they used to be. I think in terms of a program win, that's pretty still freaking huge. It'd be one of the biggest wins in K-State history if they can pull it off. And, and what I, I'm not going to be shocked if they do. No, I'm not either. I'm not. I, I, I can't. I can't wait to see the line. I cannot wait to see the line. Well, the uh, line. I can tell you what it is right now. Well, I'm. I'm saying like maybe a week before. I'm sure it's Bama by ten right now. The uh, line right now for that game, Bama is a three and a half point favorite. Oh wow! You know I'm. You know, uh, we'll talk about that when it gets closer. Obviously, when we pick that game, but uh, as it sounds right now, I'm uh, I'm a little homered. But give me give me K State. Okay, we'll see. Give me K State to cover. Uh, more on the Big Twelve transfer portal, Calshville uh, playoff, and more. Riley Gates set to join us next. Stay with us. <laughs> Joining us now on the show this week from On3, one of their newest contributors covering college football and everything in between. We're here to talk about the portal and also the college football playoff. It is uh, Riley Gates who's here with us now. Riley, uh, appreciate you joining us, Ben. You were just telling me before we started that you were in Dallas, but you didn't get to see your Cats in the Big 12 title game. What happened, Ben? Yeah, yeah. My uh, One of my friends from college actually did a radio show with him uh in college he was getting married and uh, he had me in his wedding and i knew it was the big 12 championship but i didn't really know if it'd be an issue and then of course it it did end up being an issue but uh i I guess that's a a good problem to have so to speak you know so uh did your buddy not think k-state was gonna be in the title game (laughs) i don't even know if he ever even once thought that it might be the uh Lining up with the same day. And I and I sure don't think anybody was thinking it after they lost to Tulane in week three, that's for sure. What a uh what a turnaround. And uh that Big 12 title game delivered 
10 million people watched and went right down to the end overtime. K State gets it done. And, you know, I've I, I looked at it this way, uh, Riley. Good for K State to get the win and win their first title in 10 years. But for TCU, I was so glad the committee got it right that they still were not punished for losing that championship game, going to overtime, holding the same spot they held before. Um, for a loss, I think that worked out pretty well, as good as it could have for all parties involved here. Yeah, you know, I think – I mean, I was pretty skeptical that they would still get in with a loss just because of the way that the Big 12 usually gets treated. Um, but I think that with the type of fight that TCU showed and um, the type of season that they had, like I think it was going to be really tough to leave them out. I think probably the only way they were getting left out was – you know, like a 20 point K state win or something like that. And it honestly looked like we were headed there for a little bit um, with how the game was kind of unfolding. And then of course they did what they did all season long, fought back, made it a game late, even overtime. Uh, it was a heck of a game. And um, I, I would have been real disappointed if they would have been left out, not just because it would have meant that Alabama was like, I didn't really care if Alabama or, or not. It was just, you know, a, a two loss team that didn't play for the conference championship versus a team that just suffered their first loss in the conference championship. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's well said. And, you know, you, you look at it and I keep hearing people say, well, talent wise, Alabama is one of the four best teams. Vegas probably thinks so too, but of the sample size we have, Alabama lost their two biggest games and, you know, TCU dominated Texas compared to Alabama who squeaked by. So, I mean, you could you could say, sure, I think you could say, Riley, that Alabama on paper is one of the four best teams, but when they had a chance to prove it, they didn't. Yeah, you know, and I think that that has to account for something, especially considering the teams that they lost to. I mean, um, Tennessee was a really great team all season long, but then obviously they go and just get drubbed by South Carolina that kind of ended their season. And LSU looked like they were possibly going to make a, a run at the SEC championship and then they get beat handily by Texas A&M in the last week, and then they they just get run over in the SEC title game. And so, I mean, while Alabama still has the best players, and and frankly, let's just hypothetically say they were in, like I really could see a world where they win the national championship. Like that's that's kind of the the world we're living in with Alabama. But uh, um, I think leaving them out was was the right move, uh, and and I'm I'm really glad that they didn't just get the well their Bama treatment. Um, and, and get one of those spots because I don't think that would have been right. Yeah, and uh, this TCU team, uh, we saw last year with Georgia that they lost the SEC title game, bounced back, and put two incredible performances in the playoff. Do you think TCU is capable of responding well to this loss that they suffered at K-State here in these playoff games, or you think they're going to be overmatched by a Michigan team or facing potentially Georgia or Ohio State in the championship? Um. I, I think that's kind of tough. I think first off, like we have, we have to find out like how they're going to respond. Obviously this is a team that hasn't lost a game all season. Like I was saying, they were a team that always battled back and always found a way to win. So we don't know what this team does after they lose a game. Um, so that's, that's really big. Um, but also on the other hand, on the other side of things, like I think Michigan's a really, really great team full of a lot of great talent, probably better talent than TCU has. And so if they struggle and if they get if they get throttled by Michigan, like is it because they lost and they got thrown off their their path, or 
or is it because Michigan is just that much better? Like, I think it's kind of a tough, uh, a tough question to answer one side or the other, because I really could make a case for both. I think Um, I would still pick Michigan in this game. I think what they did to Ohio state kind of shows the elite talent that they have. Um, But I I don't think that it would probably be a mental aspect with losing to K state because um, this is a really good team that that had a great season and frankly was one inch away from winning the Big 12 championship. Right. Yeah. And a team they already beat uh, earlier in the season uh, on top of that as well. So, Riley, with that, looking at the college football playoff of the uh, four teams that are in, what do you make of these uh, semifinal matchups here? What, what stands out to you in these two games? Um, I mean, uh, the biggest storyline is going to be defense in the college football playoff. That's that's what it's going to come down to. Ohio State, sure, they have the explosive offense, and um, it's it's a lot of fun to watch them go, but can they do it against Georgia? They couldn't do it against Michigan, and I think Georgia has a better defense than Michigan, and so you know, how's that going to shake out? And then I think that the TCU Michigan Michigan game is completely about defense. This is two defensive minded teams. Um, also two, two, uh, run two teams that focus on the running game. Uh, if you're a better, I would probably lean to the under in that game because it's going to be a lot of defense and a lot of running the ball. So that clock is probably going to be ticking very fast. Um, it's, it's more intriguing than what we've had recently. Like last year with Alabama and Cincinnati. Yes. Cincinnati was the feel good story, but they were never gonna, they were never going to beat Alabama. They were never going to make a run. I really could see a world and where probably three of these teams win the playoff. I, I don't think TCU can win the playoff. Like it's a great story. Um, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for him as a big 12 guy, but I just don't think that they have what it takes to, to win two games here in this playoff. Um, I've, obviously you would favor Georgia. I think Georgia's the, the cream of the crop of this playoff, but I don't think that this, like people just think this is the same Georgia from last season. It is not like, yes, it's a great defense. Um, but it's not anywhere near what they had last season. Like it's just, they do not have the, I think it was four first round NFL draft picks last year. Right. They don't have that on this defense. So, um, they're very susceptible to be being beaten in this, uh, in the semifinal game, I think, or even in the championship game. So um, the thing with Ohio state is that while they obviously struggle to put a good defense on the field, you saw Michigan just pick them apart, even without Blake Corum. Um, Ohio state can get you into a, a run and gun uh, shootout type of game. And so uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see which side kind of comes in stronger there. Yeah, uh, for sure. going to be very interesting. And you mentioned, you know, Georgia, Great team, not as good as they were last year, but uh, with them and Michigan both, we've seen them play close at times. I, I think about that that Michigan-Illinois game, for example, the week before the Ohio State game where that game was probably closer than it should have been, or Georgia against Missouri or some of these teams. I mean, just in human nature, you can't play your best every single week, but the the difference I look at in this playoff, Riley, if those if Georgia plays, let's say, like they did against Missouri, or if Michigan plays like they did against Illinois, that's not good enough. You're you're going to lose here. I mean, these teams, yes, they are better, I think, than their opponents. But, I mean, you can't win with a C-plus performance here. Correct. And I think that that's um, – I think I, I don't really fear that with this Georgia team because while they had a lot of performances like that at times, uh, you know, Kirby Smart's an excellent coach. And, and they have the edge here that – these other teams don't have. They know what it takes to win two games um, and, and win the national championship. Obviously, Ohio State's been here before. 
a little bit different situation considering, um, you know, kind of the overturn of, of players and, and, and coaches and everything like that. But uh, Georgia literally just did this last year and they did it. Frankly, I think Georgia beating Alabama last season is more impressive than Georgia beating any team in this year's field um, yes. for the national championship. And so they know what it takes. They know how hard it is. Um, and and that's kind of why they have that edge. So you, you definitely could get a performance like you were mentioning those, those kind of letdown games. But uh, I think that Kirby smart will have his guys ready. He'll have his guys focused and they, they know like when the, when the lights come on, when it's a big game, they, they really need to step up to, to the occasion here. Let's uh, let's shift gears and uh, move to the transfer portal. Now, Riley, I'm on <laughs> on three every day uh, checking this out. And, you know, I know you've, you've covered recruiting for a long time and this is just bonkers. This takes, this is recruiting's nothing compared to what we're seeing right now. I mean, just every day something's going on. Uh, you know, very good players entering the portal. It used to be in the past, if you transferred, you know, there was probably a coaching change or you were a backup, you weren't getting enough playing time. Now we're seeing quality stars on good teams enter the portal here. I mean, these are chaotic times that we've never seen in this sport before. Yeah, and it's it's out of hand. I mean, it really is. And I know that it's it's good for kids. I get it. But, I mean, we're – the portal has been open since Monday and we're at over a thousand kids in it already. I mean, it's just crazy what, uh, what we're looking at here um, in, in terms of kids just popping in the portal every day. Like I literally, as we record this, I have a, I have a column on my tweet deck just with transfer portal and and there's kids popping into it every, every 10 minutes. It feels like, um, look, I mean, we've been having this conversation, you and me, uh, me and other radio shows I go on, whatever it, is the transfer portal good for college athletics? Like, and and I give you the same answer every time. It's good if it's used the right way. It's good that kids have the opportunity to to perhaps step down a level if they maybe kind of overshot their skis a little bit uh, going into the the power five level out of high school. But uh, for the most part, man, this is just it's it's crazy to try and see a home for every single kid. And that's what every single kid get thinks they're going to get. There's plenty of guys that will go from power five to power five. There's plenty of guys that'll find a, maybe a slightly lower level um, division one home, but there's also a lot of guys, you know, two star linemen, three star cornerbacks that they'll be at a a K state or a KU or a Texas tech and they'll transfer and they'll have nowhere to go. And they'll end up at, you know, Utah Valley or something like that. I just picking a random school out of, out of my, out of the hat there. Um, and it's just, it's tough because there's really no way that you can kind of corral it. There's no way that you can straighten it out. Um, I, I do not envy being a college coach right now, having to deal with preparing for games, recruiting high school kids. And, oh yeah, you have to re-recruit your entire team while also managing your roster and going into the portal to find needs that, um, that your team needs going into the next season. So College coaches get paid an insane amount of money, and it still doesn't feel like enough with all, all the hoops they got to jump through in this process. Well, and uh, with this year's rules, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I believe uh, no matter what, whatever it takes to get there, you're allowed to have you know you go up to 85 scholarship players to bring in this year uh, through recruiting or through the portal. Either way, uh, to get to that that even number. And so, with that said with knowing you can completely flip your roster this year, I mean, the, the pressure should be as high as ever on these coaches, Riley, because 
you can you should be able to rebuild pretty fast. There, there's no excuse not to find the players you need here pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a, a great tool for that. I mean, I, I let's look at K State again just because it's one that we kind of know very well. While Will Howard was kind of the guy that led them to the Big 12 championship down the, the end of the season, they're not in that position without Adrian Martinez and getting him out of Nebraska. Now, Adrian didn't end up being exactly what a lot of people thought he was going to be or what he looked like he was going to be at the start of the season. Like he he definitely did not meet expectation in terms of the passing game, but he put them in that position by, you know, uh, getting them some some solid non-con wins early, going down to Oklahoma and putting on an amazing performance. So um, you can easily fill holes that you need right away. Um, and it's it's great for, for schools, especially with new coaches. I think of Matt Rule at Nebraska now, who he's going into a situation where he has to rebuild, but he's not going to get four to five years to rebuild. They're going to want to see results, and they're going to want to see him right away. So he's going to have to attack the portal. He's going to have to get some really – uh, talented players out of that and, and give them a new spark. So I think that that's huge for a guy like him. Heck, we've seen it with K-State basketball too, and not just football. It, Jerome Tang has a very competitive 7-1 and one or 8-1 and one team right now, and it's mainly portal guys. So yeah. for, ev- for every one situation where we can criticize the transfer portal and say it's it's not good and um, kids are taking advantage of it in the wrong way, there's, there's a lot of good that it does bring. So that's why it's kind of one of those situations where – you're going to go back and forth. You're never really going to have a strong opinion one way or the other that holds um, holds to be more true. It, it just comes down to how much you're willing to tolerate, I guess, uh, yeah. of, of the portal getting bigger and bigger. Uh, some uh, big schools, uh, some power programs have taken some hits uh, negatively from the portal so far. Obviously, they can potentially rebound, replace them with other guys, but – for me so far, Riley, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, and Alabama, I mean, the, the hits just keep on coming. They're losing some quality starters, those schools. Well, yeah, I think the the interesting one was uh, Spencer Sanders leaving Oklahoma State. That was one that I don't want to say it was completely unpredictable um, because I it definitely makes sense that he – I mean, he's just been dinged up. He's kind of been struggling uh, as of late a little bit, but uh, – he kind of seemed like an Oklahoma State lifer, and and Mike Gundy doesn't really feel like a guy that's going to lose a starting quarterback to the portal, especially when it doesn't really. It's not like they have this this star waiting in the wings, so to speak. So that one that one definitely caught me off guard a little bit. Um, and yeah, you know, I just think that there's been some some very big names that hit the portal, um, guys that honestly two months ago you probably would never seen it go that way. Um, heck for the, until tonight, Drake may at North Carolina was rumored to be one of the biggest guys possibly going in. Now he has since come out and, and, and said, he's not entering the portal, but it just kind of goes to show you like how, how uncertain this is right now with all the coaching changes happening and, oh, I want to go play for my old coach here at his new school. So I'm going to hit the portal, even though I, I have a really good situation here. Um, and, and it's also getting to the point where guys are transferring in conference, which is absolutely wild to see because they could be playing for Oklahoma one season and and then be playing for West Virginia the next season. It's kind of crazy. Speaking of West Virginia, like JT Daniels, he's off to play for his fourth school in five years, I think. Like, that's just crazy. I, I mean, he's the Ryan Fitzpatrick of college football, the first uh, ever journeyman of the sport. And we're, we're going to tell our grandkids that J, of all the schools that JT Daniels played for. So I, I'm interested to see where he ends up because I think he really struggled this season at West Virginia. But, uh, 
yeah, man, it's, it's a madhouse. So, yeah, that's just kind of all I can say about it. And um, until that window closes, it's not going to calm down anytime soon. That's uh, that's something else uh, with those guys uh, going in. And we mentioned, you know, just how much you can flip a roster here. Uh, you know, I, I go back to what Deion Sanders, his, uh, his speech to his team a couple of days ago, I think they got kind of taken out of context a bit, uh, you know, what, what he was saying, but at the end of the day, you know, the message that I think he was trying to deliver and that really I think resonates around the rest of college football, you gener- you better just be ready to compete. If, if you're going to stay, I mean, you better be able to work hard. Otherwise they can replace you pretty fast. I think that's what he was trying to say. And that's, what's going to go on in Colorado really everywhere. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's cause it's Dion and it's because he's not giving people a fair chance, quote unquote. That's kind of what everybody thinks. And I get it. I understand kind of a little bit of the complaints, but let's be real. That's, that's why Dion's had success is because he's not afraid to, to tell people they're not good enough. He's not afraid to kind of put them in their place. And he knows that, look, there's a reason that Colorado fired Carl Doyle after just two seasons. Like he doesn't have talented players on that, on that team. So I had no, and then a video did come out today. Like he was talking to his team a little more privately and he's like, you guys are competitors. Like you'll, you're going to compete for spots. You're not quitters, things like that. So it definitely got taken out of context. Um, but that's just kind of the internet world we live in now where we, we love to jump to a conclusion and um, let a, a video go viral on Twitter. But uh, that's another instance where I think we're about to see crazy turnaround and, and probably very fast thanks to both recruiting and the portal. Everybody wants to go play for coach prime and, and now you can do it at the power five level. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, I know we only have a little bit of time left. So we ask you, uh, who are the top players you're, you, you like so far that are in the portal and what are some possible destinations for some of these guys you think? Oh man, that's a, uh, that's a really good question. I, I do think that, uh, I mean, I mentioned JT Daniels just because he's the the one that's kind of sticking out on top of my head right now. Um, he's he's obviously one of the most popular guys right now. I, in terms of where he's going to land, that's really intriguing to me because um, you know he's kind of been in in all the all the various conferences so far, and he's gotten a little bit of taste of everything. But he he got benched at West Virginia late in the season, so I'm not really sure that he's going to be a hot commodity right now. Um, so to speak, like, I just don't think that a bunch of people are going to be falling over their head over heels for, to, to go and land him. So, um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see where he lands, but probably not a move that's going to exactly light up college football. It's not really gonna, um, draw a bunch of headlines, I guess, where he ends up. Um, there was one tonight, Mississippi state had a, had a running back Dylan Johnson enter the portal. It was very funny that he, uh, he called out Mike Leach as he was uh, going, he says, Mike Leach is, is happy that I'm in the transfer portal. So now everybody's kind of uh, interested where he lands. But the biggest one right now, it did, it did come out today. Um, Storm Ducks leaving North Carolina, the cornerback. Um, just a, uh, He's a solid player, um, you know, and he's, he's pretty well known in the ACC. He's probably going to be one of those guys that, that uh, ends up getting a lot of big offers. Um, so it'll be kind of fun to follow which uh which schools jump in on him and and there's even been some lower level guys d2 guys that are are drawing the eyes of of power five teams everywhere so uh it's it's just as crazy as it is to watch how many are jumping into the portal it's equally as crazy to watch who's recruiting them out of the portal and where they might end up 
Well, and I mean, I look at it this way, Riley, it's go eat or get eaten. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Like if, if you're going to be successful in today's college football, you got to embrace this thing. You got to go get the best players you can. And, uh, you know, it, it can't be something where you're not interested and in try to the, to focus on the traditional high school recruiting route. I mean, cause you're going to fall behind pretty fast. And we saw Texas A&M, they brought in an all time high school recruiting class and, how many of those guys are already gone? <laughs> and it did not work at all. And so it just goes to show you that maybe sometimes the people on paper are not exactly the ones that translate to success right away. Yeah. Uh, Riley, I know you got to run. Uh, tell people where they can find you and check out all the stuff on on three. Uh, I believe that there's a big deal going on, isn't there, uh, for signups? Uh, people can uh, check out with, with on three. Great time to sign up, I imagine. Yeah, man, it's uh, we we were always turning out in terms of the national team. We're always turning out uh, content uh, left and right. I mean, it's just kind of crazy how fast our writers go, um, and us in the editorial room are kind of trying to keep up. So the national teams always pumping out great stuff. Um, and then if you're a a fan of a specific team, there's there's uh, specific offers for your team on on all the various sites. Uh, it, it does vary, um, but depending which one you're looking at, there was a, a $1 for a year right now. It's $10 um, until the start of football season. So if you're looking for looking for your team on on three, we can definitely get you set up there and, and it's not going to cost you a lot of money to stay locked in on, on recruiting transfer portal NIL. It's a, it's a great site that we got going and, and really excited about the product that we're continuing to build. And it's clean to read. It's not messy. Like some of those others, you know, it's very all right there. I, I love the layout. It's, Great content. Riley and company doing a great job. Riley, thanks for the time, man. Uh, I know that you're going to be busy here in a couple of days. Uh, you know, we'll uh, talk to you again down the line. Appreciate you joining us, man. Absolutely. Anytime. Time for Coach Bulls with Bull Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. You can also reach out to both by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 785-856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. He's also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast out twice a week, and he joins us right now. Bo, uh, how are we doing? I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm good. Uh, You know, a little uh, inside baseball here, Bo. Uh, Last week, you and I were talking before the show that you were rooting on Tulane, uh, not only to win their conference title, and I see you got the gear on today. Uh, pretty happy for them to win the American. But uh, I might be seeing you here in a couple of weeks. Are, are we going to a bowl game here? I mean, pretty big deal for them to go to Cotton Bowl, right? It is a huge deal to go to the Cotton Bowl. We have a problem on my end. I'm trying to figure this out right now. Problem was is that, as they say in the song, someone missed the assignment. Um, LSU losing to Texas A&M pushed them out of the Sugar Bowl. And now them playing in their bowl game is the same time as Tulane. So it's like if I go to the Tulane game, I won't be able to see the LSU game. So I'm going to have to make a decision here, and it's a tough one. Um, I don't know yet. Okay. Make a decision this week. I will know by the end of the week I should know my decision. But it's going to be – that one's like – it's for me as like the Louisiana football guy, it's like you got LSU at one. Tulane at one. Joe Burrow plays at seven. Okay. So it's like, I don't know if it's better to just stay home and watch on my so, big screen. Or... 
So here's what we can do. Here's a compromise. Uh, okay. You're looking at, since if you come down to the game, you'd be staying with me, Bo. Yeah. I have two screens, and I got all the on-demand stuff. And so what we could do, we could put the Bengals game on one screen and replay the LSU game on the other. I'm going to know the scores. It's going to be a bad thing. I've been thinking about that too. I was like, I can always go back and watch it. But, then but I, like, I mean, I if they win, you probably want to watch it anyway. Again, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I'm going to figure it out this week. I've got, I've also got another issue I got to worry about as well with another possible couple days going somewhere. So, okay. Um, we're just providing your options. Just makes we yeah, want to be I appreciate it. We're, we're working it out. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we want to be your partner. You know, I mean, yeah. at, uh, at Studio Soapbox, you know, yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> or at in the Jones Zone uh, yeah. here in uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, Bo, the uh, picks this week. You uh, you got about a six game lead on us right now, and uh, the slate. We're, we change things up. This is always a, a, a weird week on the slate for us each year. We always try to do what we can. They have 10 games on the slate. And there's only one game going on in college football. That's Navy Army. And then we have nine games in the NFL that we'll pick. So Navy Army, Navy's a one-point favorite, that game in Philly. Eagles, Giants, Philly is seven-point favorite. Dolphins, Chargers, Dolphins a three-point favorite. Bucks and 49ers, 49ers, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Jets and Bills, Bills favored by nine-and-a-half. Ravens and Steelers. Steelers are a two and a half point favorite. Likely no Lamar Jackson in that game. Browns and Bengals. Bengals favored by six. Patriots and Cardinals. Patriots favored by three. Vikings and Lions. Lions favored by two and a half. Raiders and Rams. Raiders favored by six on Thursday night football. So, Bo, we will uh, get to the picks. Thomas Bridges is also here with us as well. He'll give out his picks. And uh, we will get started uh, right away with uh, the first game on the slate, our one college game, Bo, Army-Navy, and Navy favored by one here, basically a pick em. and it is a neutral site. I mean, this is uh, basically comes down to who you, who you like better straight up at this point. Yeah, they're playing this in Philadelphia like the way they always do. Um, I like Navy. Um, I'm thinking Navy, one point's nothing to worry about here. Uh, it's simply that tradition, that, that triple option. That triple option gives teams a fit. Um, I will say, if you go back and look at these two teams, they've played really hard schedules. So both these teams should be well-prepared. Um, and it should be a good game. But I think it'll be low scoring. And I think that gives an advantage to Navy. So I'll take Navy. Okay. Uh, I am going to go with uh, Navy as well in this game. One point. Uh, Navy traditionally has uh, has dominated this series as of late. They've been the better team. Uh, you know, Kim Niataomo, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, uh, has done a really good job there with that program. Um, you know, you know, Jeff uh, Munkin also has done a good job with the Army program too. But uh, I lean towards Navy. Tom, uh, your turn uh, on the pick. As uh, I wait, let's see. Uh, between Navy and Army, Navy favored by one. What do you think in your temp? Listen, I like the boots on the ground more than I like them in the water. Uh, give me Army, baby. Okay. Uh, so there we go. We're uh, two for Navy, one for Army. Let's go to the NFL now. Eagles and Giants. The Eagles favored by seven in this football game here. Bo, uh, the Giants 
Are they coming back down to earth right now? What, what do you think of the Eagles favored by seven? I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. I think we're seeing the the Giants coming back. It's you know we got three teams: the Giants, the Commandos, and the Seahawks playing for the last playoff spots. The only two of them are going to get in. I think the team that's going to fall out is going to be the Giants. I've been sitting there for a couple of weeks now. Um, I thought that they took it to the Commandos for three and a half quarters, but then the Commandos came back on them, and then you have a tie last week in that game. But I, the Eagles are dominant. They are, they are the best team in the league. I don't see them losing but one more game, if that one. And I think they're going to cover here. Give me the Eagles. I'm uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles here as well in this game. Uh, I think that you look at that Giants team. I wouldn't call them frauds because they're better than we all thought they were going to be, but they're not playing to the level that they were a few weeks ago. Uh, that middle ground of some sorts. The Eagles, I thought had a great response uh, in that game against Tennessee last week, the way they dominated. I'll go with the Eagles cover seven. Tom, who are you going with in uh, this one? Because I think the Eagles are going to win, and I think they're going to win by seven. And if I had to hedge my bets, I'm going to say they're going to win by seven or more. But at the same time, I looked at this game, and I hate games. I really hate games that are at where the line is at seven. Um, because this one, I think the Eagles are good, and I think they're good enough to win this game. But at the same time, I'm not going to say that this isn't a push. But I'll take the Eagles. I feel more confident on the left side of things than the right side of things. And okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a push. Three for three with, uh, with Philadelphia here. Uh, yeah, I mean, winning by a touchdown, yeah, that's a push right there. Uh, Dolphins and Chargers. The Dolphins are three-point favorites. This game got flexed into Sunday Night Football. Bo, um, really good matchup here. Tua and Justin Herbert. Everyone gave Tua a lot of crap all year that he wasn't playing to Justin Herbert's level, that Justin Herbert was so much better. But so far this season, Tua's outplayed Justin Herbert this year, and they're a three-point favorite here. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that they're the uh, that they're not a one or two point favorite, being how they played last week against the Dolphins. The Dolphins against the 49ers. I do like the Dolphins decided to stay on the West Coast. They decided to stay out there for the week, and they played the 49ers. They didn't go home to Miami and then travel back. They've stayed. They're going to play the Chargers in L.A. Um, two great young quarterbacks. The difference is Miami's a better team. I know the Chargers are starting to get healthy. Could be a shootout, but I like the Dolphins here. The Dolphins, I'll lay the three. Uh, Bo, I agree with you here. I'm uh, going with the Dolphins here, three points. I think the Dolphins are a more well-rounded football team as a whole than uh, this Chargers team is right now. And uh, I think they take care of business and uh, cover that three, but should still be a relatively close game. Tom, uh, who do you got here between the uh, Dolphins and the Chargers? Dolphins favored by three. I think it's a close game. I know, uh, you know. With uh, Brandon Staley taking over for the Chargers, I don't think it has gone the way he thought it would. And I don't really think it has gone the way that any other Charger fan or any other football fan has really thought it was going to. Chargers had the pieces to win this AFC West, and they haven't done shit. Um, give, me, give, me, give me the Dolphins. All right. 
three for three with the uh, Dolphins uh, on that game there. Meanwhile, the uh, Bucks taking on the 49ers. Brock Purdy getting the start for the Niners with Jimmy G and Trey Lance out for the year. Tom Brady coming off an awesome comeback win on Monday night against the Saints. The game is in San Francisco with the Niners favored by three and a half here. Bo, what do we think about Brock Purdy and company? Uh, favorites against Tom Brady here. Three and a half. Is that too much? No. I think exception to the awesome comeback. There was it was nothing. awesome. It was badass. It was not. It was it was horrible that anything like that would happen because my New Orleans Saints can't can't play offense. It was one of my favorite moments of the entire year. You mean the conversation with me after the game? All of it. I have I have been heartbroken by these New Orleans Saints for way too long. And this was just it should fire every coach on the entire staff for this. Um, Tom Brady still washed. He played great at the end of the game. And I broke this down on my podcast. What he did was exceptional. He never had to throw a ball more than 20 yards in those two possessions at the end of the game. Um, but that's not going to matter against the 49ers. The 49ers aren't going to give up points like that, and they're going to score as well that run game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt. I know that that's a big deal. I mean, obviously Brock Purdy is Brock Purdy is not, you know, as a known quantity as Jimmy Garoppolo, but they might be better. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you put him in a spot where he has to make decisions, is going to make mistakes. So I think you'll see a heavy dose of the run game. I think you'll see a lot of the run game. I think you'll see the 49ers score points early and often. And I'm taking the 49ers and laying the three. And a half. I'm a Brock Purdy fan. I like the guy a lot. Uh, dating back to his days at Iowa State, Tom can tell you I've always liked Brock Purdy. But I, I feel like I'd be crazy to be picking the very last pick in the draft to be leading a win against Tom Brady and the Bucs. Um, I think the worst football is behind the Bucs at this point. I'm going with the Bucs to not only cover as an underdog, at three and a half, I like the Bucks to win this game outright and get it done on the road. And Tom Brady, we know he's, you know, he always grew up a Niner fan, California kid. This means something to him to go out to San Francisco. I'm going with Brady and the Bucks. Tom, you get to split the difference here. Who you got? I'm definitely not going Brady. Um, that's my man right you know, there, Tom. I'm, I'm not, you know, it's 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 a crock of shit. It's a crock of shit. What he did, I was rooting against him. Um, he. You know, it really, really the man, the offensive play calling for the Saints shit the bed. Like they could have ran off more than eight seconds. They passed twice. They, 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 the Saints passed on like a fourth and two when they had Mark Ingram running hard. Yep. Like, well, that don't really make a whole lot of sense. But Bucks had no, no, Really, no business winning that game if they if, if the Saints would have played their cards right. It's bad coaching on the Saints, but you know, with with even with Brock Purdy, you know, I think you know, let's look at Brock Purdy. He's got a running back in Christian McCaffrey, who's way better than anybody had at Iowa State, which wasn't bad. Was it? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Brees Hall. Yeah, I mean, Brees Hall was uh, looking like a Pro Bowl back this year before he got hurt. Exactly. Now you give him Christian McCaffrey, I think he's going to be okay. 
Um, give me, give me the 49ers big, big. Okay. Uh, Huge. uh, I think you guys are a little out there in that one, but all right. Um, Jets and Bills. Bills favored by nine and a half here. Oh, uh, I I think I, I like the Bills to cover nine and a half. I think we're going to start seeing the Bills now that they're the number one seed in the AFC. They went through all those injuries. I know they just lost Von Miller for the year, but I think eventually the Bills get back to the team we saw early on the first few weeks of the season. To me, this seems like a good opportunity to get back to their dominating ways. I like them to win and cover nine and a half here. What about you? I like the Jets. I like the Bills to win the game, but I like the Jets. I think that that is a big number, nine and a half. Uh, the Jets are a good team. It's a team that beat Buffalo earlier in the year. Um, that game was at the Jets. I know this is in Buffalo. It'll be a little different. But with the change at quarterback, I think the Jets are going to be okay. I like what they're doing. I mean, they just went out, almost ran up 40 points in the Lions last week. I like what I see with the Jets. I love Buffalo. I do agree with you in a way that Buffalo should start pulling away now that they have the lead in the conference, but their schedule is also a monster coming up. They've got the Jets this week, the Dolphins next week, and they have the Bears, which should be an easy win at, in Chicago. And they have to go to Cincinnati and then the Patriots at the end of the year. I think the Bills cannot afford a slip-up and a loss and I think because of that, they might be a little tight where they're not going to really outscore a team. They're going to worry about just winning the game. So give me the Jets plus the points here. Okay. Tom, uh, you get to split the difference here. Jets or Bills? Bo's absolutely right. I mean, Bills are going to win this game outright for sure. But it's not going to be. They're, they're not winning by 10-plus. Um, the Jets are one of those teams that are sneaky good that's like, fuck. We lost to the Jets because they they end up getting you. Um, I think that happened to the Rams last year, or maybe even the year before. Um, give me the Bills still, though. But Jets are one of those, you know. Jones, I'm 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 eager to hear your opinion on: Are you invested in my? Is is Mike White a decent real deal? Uh, I like Mike White. I think he's going to have a very long career as a backup in this league, but I don't think he's a long-term solution as a starter. But uh, league, but so so you're going with with Buffalo here. I'm going with Buffalo, but they're not going to win by more than ten. Well, the line's nine and a half, so well you okay. have it right at ten. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. They're, yeah, I mean, if you're at nine, with some fire there. Okay, they're they're they'll win, but not by more than double digits. Okay, okay. Well, so they're not winning by triple digits. Big, big if true. Uh, <laughs> the Ravens taking on the Steelers. Lamar Jackson likely not going to play in this game. The Ravens have not looked that great the last couple of weeks. They snuck by the Broncos, lost a game to the Jags they shouldn't have. Panthers game was an ugly win. Meanwhile, the Steelers have been a hot mess themselves all year long. Um, Two and a half point favorites. The game's in Pittsburgh. This is arguably the best rivalry in the NFL. Always a great game, no matter what the records are between these two. Both 
this is a hard game to figure out for me with with Pittsburgh favored by two and a half here. It's not a hard game for me to figure out at all. Wrong team's favorite here. Um, Tyler Huntley is not Lamar Jackson, but he is similar in skill set. Not quality, but in skill set. So they won't have to change much of the offense with him in there. He'll still be a running threat. They're not going to let him run the ball. They're going to get some of these things done. I'm going to go with the Ravens here. I think the Ravens win outright. And I think two and a half is a gift. I'll take the Ravens. I'll go with the Ravens here, but I'm not confident in that at all because I don't know what Ravens team is going to show up because they're just not playing good football. I mean, they were on a roll where they won, what was it, four or five in a row, and they have not looked like that same team. Even with a healthy Lamar Jackson here, I wouldn't even be very confident in this game just because they're not playing what as good as they were, and the receivers have just been terrible. Uh, you know, since they lost Rashad Bateman. So I'm going with the Ravens, but not with much confidence there. Tom, what do you got? I'm not super confident either, but I do. I'm with Bo. I do like Tyler Huntley. I think he's an underrated backup, and I think he works very well in that Raven system. I do like him, and I do like the Ravens, but I'm not. This is the game I'm least confident in. But I will take the Ravens. Yeah, I wouldn't put money down on this game, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, Browns and Bengals. Deshaun Watson, his second start for the Browns, taking on this Bengals team in Cincinnati. The Bengals coming off a huge win last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Their third win in a row against Patrick Mahomes and company. They're at home. They're favored by six here. Bo is six too much for the uh, Bengals here. No, no, this is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's in the MVP conversation now. Give me the Bengals. The Browns aren't very good. I don't care about Deshaun Watson. Obviously, he didn't look good last week, and I'm sure you'll want to mention something about that. Um, the Bengals are on a roll. They have a tough schedule, and like uh, we were talking with the with the Bills, the Bills have a tough schedule to try to get to the number one seed. The, the Bengals need to win every game they can because they're trying to win the division with the Ravens, and the Ravens have an easier schedule. Bengals need this game. They lost to the Browns earlier in the year. I think the Bengals come out and dominate from the beginning, and I think they win this game by double digits. Bengals, it is for me. I'll go with the uh, Bengals in this game here. I, I think Deshaun's going to play better this, this week, but they have so much work. You can't, yeah, that's true. Um, but that, that team has so many issues and Stefanski's not doing a good job coaching that team. Um, I think the Bengals win. Uh, and I, I think you're looking at seven to 10 points at the margin. I'll go with the Bengals to cover six. How about you, Tom? Hey, listen, Joey B swagged out. He swagged out after last week. Bengals, no problem. Okay. So, uh, three for three, we all go with uh, Cincinnati here. Uh, Patriots and Cardinals, New England favored. MVP, MVP, MVP. I wouldn't say that, but. Yeah, I wouldn't say that either. That that belongs to either Jalen or Patrick Mahomes right now. Oh, uh, oh now you want to put Jalen in the conversation. A week I ago, said he was in the conversation. Oh, time. not a week ago. A week yes, ago, I did. I, I said it was Mahomes first and Jalen second. You were insulting me last week when I said that I thought Jalen Hurts should be in. No, MVP. I didn't. 
I said that yes, Mahomes was first, but I said Jalen was number two. We saw this past did. week that Mahomes is not even the most important person on that team. Oh. Oh, yeah. Travis, eight. Hey, you shut you shut Kelsey down, you shut that offense down. Yeah. I mean, you might not be wrong, but I uh I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I disrespected Jalen Hurts by any means. He's right up. Oh, you, yeah, you did. You did. No, I did. I, I, no, if I, I was still voting for MVP, Jalen Hurts would be my MVP. But Burrow's coming on, and if they go through the rest of the schedule and they do get into the play, they do win the division. He should be up there with with Jalen for the MVP. With Jalen and Mahomes, yeah, it should be uh, interesting. Jalen and Jalen and Burrow and Mahomes will get displaced somewhere because the Chiefs <laughs> are going to lose and choke what they usually do. Patriots Uh-oh. and Cardinals. Patriots favored by one. Basically a pick in this game here. Patriots still in playoff contention. Cardinals uh, have been a mess here. Bo, uh, I like the better coach team. Belichick uh, gets it done here in this game. And, and I, I think the Patriots, their roster is better than what people give them credit for. I like New England to, to win and cover that one. How about you? Okay, so... I, I, I somewhat agree. I think when you look at the Patriots, I think they're very underrated. People don't think of this roster like they're Super Bowl rosters, obviously. You still got Belichick. But there's something about the Patriots that haven't played well on the road this year. And I think going across country, going to Arizona, I, I think I like Arizona here. I think this is a close, low-scoring game. Um, in the end, I think the Patriots are going to have to have Mac Jones win this game for him, and I don't know that he that he will. I'm taking the Cardinals here. All right, so you're standing in a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Such a fine side. Oh, I hate that song. It's I'm like the dude. I hate and... me. <laughs> Come on, baby. Don't say maybe. Uh, Tom, uh, who are you going with there? Patriots or Cardinals? Wait a second. Bo, have you ever been in Winslow, Arizona? I have. Yes, I have. Okay. Jones, you ever been there? I have not. I'd like to go, though. You should. Bo, have you been on the corner? Yes, I have been to the corner in Winslow. (laughs) Hey, that makes two of us, baby. (laughs) And I've done yeah, it's one of those things if you're ever that way, you might as well do it. Just say you did it. You know? As much as I love being on the corner, um, and, and I've been to Winslow, I am not taking the Arizona Cardinals. I will go with Gillette Stadium, baby. I will go with Bill Belichick and the history. Um, I think I think this is one of the games when we look back, this is one of the games why Cliff gets fired. Cliff might get fired after this game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. So I'll take obviously the Pats. Um, was uh was the corner a fine sight to see? By the way, Tom. You know, it wasn't bad. It it had everything you need. It had a. <laughs> you know, it they they did it right. <laughs> the town the town's about like Kawita. Standing in a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Now, now that I know Bo hates that song, I love it even more. I, I just, oh, whoa, I'm not whoa, a big whoa. fan. Of Bo, you hate that song. I don't, I don't like. Just 
I don't like the Eagles. He doesn't like the uh, Eagles. Oh, okay. Well, okay. All right. We are a pro fuck bow podcast. You don't like the Eagles? <laughs> I'm not a fan of hey, I are hate the okay? fucking Eagles, man. <laughs> man, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I like I love Hotel California. I love the yeah, Oh, yeah, farm. you, you fucking there's a white girl. I'm not a big, big fan of the Eagles. Yeah, I no. love Hotel California. Everybody loves Hotel California. Hey, right? listen. You can check but, out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Never leave. Bitch, the Eagles are goats. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you're telling me you don't like uh, one of those nights. No. <laughs> oh my god! Like you don't like that, or you don't fucking like, um, fucking. Um, Oh my god, there's so many songs. Like, are you kidding me? You don't like Take It Easy? No. You don't like fucking peaceful, easy feeling? Are you fucking nope. me? I don't have a peaceful, easy feeling. You know me. Yeah, you're a life insurance guy. You gotta always be on your fucking toes. Are you <laughs> are you fucking me? Oh my gosh. Hey, hey, Tom, have you ever no. seen The Big Lebowski? Of course. Uh, I'm kind of like the dude. I, I I hate the fucking Eagles, man. <laughs> man. Glenn Fry. I actually saw the Eagles in concert, and it was really good, but there's better. I, I'm just, they're just not my, yeah. Uh, not my you saw the Eagles in concert, and you were. I did. I saw it like twenty years ago. And I was like, you know what? Not impressed. Not, not my thing. It's not my thing. I, it's um, fine. It was, it was good. It wasn't holding my thing. So, but I had so much respect for you. I was almost ready to buy life insurance from you. I think doing investments. That we'll just we'll just invest some money for you and stuff. I think we got to leave um, Bo on the corner in Winslow, Arizona now. Yeah, yeah we, we, hang, we, we ought to hang him on the corner. Bring back there. public hangings, and we're hanging him on the corner. Hanging on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Look at this son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. I know we're going to sing the next karaoke. Listen, I know Bo's never had his wife cheat on him or any other girl cheat on him because if he did, he'd love the song Lion Eyes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bo. Oh, Golly, man. Glenn Fry's like, oh my God. I need to go to Glenn Fry's grave and jack him off in your name. Because <laughs> that man's rolling right now. He's like, well, this son of a bitch. This mother. <laughs> he's like, golly, he's rude for James. It's just not my thing. He's a he. He was last night. Listen to or uh, I Monday like night some Jones. of the Eagles. Monday night he celebrated Taysom Hill scoring a touchdown, but he doesn't like the Eagles. <laughs> I don't like Taysom Hill either. So, um, hey, you can be a Jehovah. I like some of the Eagles time. solo things better than the Eagles song. Hey, listen. Let's, hey, I mean, let's get fine. the Vikings lines here. Um, yeah. You know who's you know who's the big Eagles fan? Who? Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. <laughs> Fuck Kirk Cousins. 
Lions favored two and a half here. Lions are playing decent football. And Dan Campbell, big Eagles fan. Probably. <laughs> I bet he Eagles. doesn't listen to the Eagles at all. <laughs> he listens to them every he's morning. not in his iPhone at all. I'll bet when he goes to the Apple Music, he doesn't have any Eagles songs when that guy works out. There's no way he's an Apple Music guy. He's a Spotify guy. A hundred percent, he is. If if you are Apple Music over Spotify, you're a cop. That's a cop move. I don't pay for it. You're 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 a cop. I have Spotify app on my phone. I don't. Yeah, that's a cop. That's a cop move. Uh, Yeah. Oh, has an Android for sure. Yeah. No, I have iPhones. I have two of them. Okay. Well, you're still a cop though. Uh, <laughs> Vikings, John. Lions, Detroit favored by two and a half in Detroit. Bo, uh, the Lions are playing better, and I hear people saying that, oh, you know, golf is looking better than Stafford and all this. I'm like, well, wait, hold on a second here. Stafford still delivered a Super Bowl, so I don't care he about it. Credit to Jared Goff, he is playing good, but two and a half at home is that a reach? I think it is a bit of a reach. I'm going to go into this real quick, and I'll try to make this fast. Um, I love the Lions. I love Dan Campbell. I love what they're doing there. I don't like Stafford, or I don't like Goff, but they have won for the last five, and the one game they have lost in that was the one against Buffalo on Thanksgiving where they damn near won that game. They should have. Yeah, they should have. They should have. They really should. They outplayed Buffalo in that game. They they fucked that up. They outplayed the Dolphins the week before the the, the win streak started. Um, Dan Campbell's a coach that everybody on his team likes him. He you want to play for that guy. Um, and and I just think the Vikings are a better team, even with Kirk Cousins. I think. Absent of Kirk Cousins, the Vikings might be the second best team in the NFC, and, and they have a legit chance to be a Super Bowl contender. The Viking, the, the Lions just aren't there yet, and that's not a shade to the Lions. I think they're a really good team. I think they have a chance to win this game, but I think in the end, the Vikings are more talented, and unless they get behind and Kirk Cousins has to bring them back, which would be an issue, I think that the Vikings will win. So give me the Vikings here. Uh, I will go with the uh, the Vikings to uh, win and to uh, to cover this one. I think Detroit's a good football team. You know they're playing a lot better as of late, but uh, the Vikings uh, I think are being overlooked in this matchup. I'll go with uh, Minnesota here. How about you, Tom? You know I love the I I love how the Lions are playing and I love Dan Campbell, but uh, same thing. I gotta go. Sorry. Excuse me, I'm I'm still sneezing over uh, of uh, Bo's bullshit disliking the Eagles. Um, I'm allergic. Um, but no, I, yeah, I got to go, Kirk Cousins. Okay, uh, last one: Raiders and Rams, Thursday night football. Baker Mayfield not playing yet in this game. The uh, Raiders favored by six on the road in L.A. The Rams gave the Seahawks all they could handle last week. The Raiders have been playing better football as of late. Ball, what do you think? Six points. Is that too much for this Raiders team? I'm going to win Tom back in my good graces now. The Rams are going to beat the Raiders in this game. 
unless Baker Mayfield plays. If Baker Mayfield plays, all bets are off. The Raiders will blow the Rams out. No Baker means the Rams beat the Raiders. The Raiders have played too well for too long. We haven't seen the real Derek Carr for about two or three weeks now. The real Derek Carr is about to poke his head out. It's a Thursday night game. Yeah, give me the Rams. Straight up. Before I pick, Tom, I'll, I'll let you respond to uh, Bo kissing your ass a little bit, trying to get back in your good graces. No, I think the Rams are going to lose. No Baker. Uh, Wolford's not going to do it. Perkins isn't going to do it. And if. Hold on. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I got to sneeze. I got to sneeze. I'm still allergic to the bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think the Raiders are going to do it. So you got the Raiders oh, covering. <laughs> yeah, I think the Raiders are going to cover and win. Okay. Uh, and, um. I'm going with the Raiders to cover and win this one, too. The Raiders are playing really good football right now. They're starting to figure it out. Uh, Derek Carr is looking good. Devontae Adams is on fire right now. Josh Jacobs is running the football well. Defense is improving. It's a little too late for this Raiders team to make a push towards the postseason, but they're taking steps in the right direction. I'll go with the Raiders there. So there's our picks against the spread for this week. And uh, now let's uh, move on. And uh, hit some uh, topics uh, starting around the NFL. And uh, we'll just go through these one by one here. Bo, let's start with OBJ. Took a visit in Dallas. They rolled out the red carpet. It's his ninth year in the league, and they were treating him, and, and he's going around like a high school recruit. I think it's pretty funny. But, you know, for all that was made about it, the Cowboys apparently didn't like the medical information that came back. Is this a ploy just to try to get the price tag lowered, or do you think there's a legit concern? Because we didn't hear this from any other teams that he visited. It is my my question on the whole thing is I know that Odell Beckham saying he wants a multi-year deal, and I just don't think he could get that right now. Look, I I thought that him and the Cowboys is a great marriage right now, especially. I think that this was the best thing the Cowboys could do. I'm already one of those people that thinks the Cowboys have a legit chance of going to the Super Bowl. I think in a one-game scenario, the Cowboys are legit. You add Odell Beckham to the mix, it makes them even better. I think people have to look at Odell Beckham as like the Rams did last year. They didn't bring him in and give him the lion's share of the throws. It's bring him in and give him five receptions. Give him six receptions. And then as you move into the playoffs, he might become your one target or your 1A target. But I do think that the Cowboys made a mistake not making this deal. But if it is that Beckham just wants a two- or three-year deal, he's not going to get that right now. So I think that has more to play in it than anything else. Um, I do think he's going to end up in Dallas when it's all said and done. That seems to be the best fit. Um I mean, it's down to the, the, the Dallas, the, the Giants, and and Buffalo. I just don't see the Giants being a good spot for Beckham just because he's not going to win. And I think he wants to win. I think that's important, and especially if you're just going to go for the rest of the season. So, you know, go in there and go somewhere where you know you're going to have a chance to make a difference. I think that Dallas is a great fit. I'm surprised to see they're not on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – the change of tune within just a few hours is what 
boggled my mind. Uh, yeah. I, I would not have been surprised at all, Bo, if he would have walked in there, had a good visit, and signed up that day. You know what I mean? Like, it looked like everything was setting up. You know, him going to the to the Mavericks game, sitting courtside with, with a couple of their guys and everything. But uh, we'll see ultimately where that uh, all plays out. The 49ers, we mentioned earlier, uh, more in-depth now. Brock Purdy taking over starting quarterback uh, with Garoppolo out for the rest of the season here. And you look at that Niners team, we know they're talented. Um, you know, they've been able to win with Jimmy G in the past and, and, and everything. Now going to Brock Purdy here, can the 49ers weather the storm here? Can Brock Purdy ride this thing? into playoff wins or or is it time to write off the Niners now? I don't think it's time to write the Niners off, but I do think that Brock Purdy, it's not about Brock Purdy per se. It's that the 49ers have done so much in their offense to minimize the effect of Jimmy Garoppolo that, you know, this superior run, they have the best, if not the best run game, the second best run game to the Eagles. Um, I mean, you can argue that one back and forth. The difference is the Eagles have a big play thing and they have a running back who runs or a quarterback who runs. Um, but I do think that when you look at McCaffrey, you look at the run game, you look at what Debo Samuels can do. They've taken the ball, the decision-making out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. And I think that that now, when you look at what's going to happen here with now having Brock Purdy in, it's kind of the same kind of guy. You know, you're not going to ask him to make a whole bunch of decisions. It's going to be the coaching staff, the offensive staff, putting him in, putting Brock Purdy in situations where he can best um, best take advantage of some of his skills and not make mistakes. And when you have that superior run game and a really good offensive line, they're not going to have to worry about it. It also helps to have a fantastic defense, and they're not going to get blown out by anybody. So – I, I don't know that Brock Purdy's taken into a Super Bowl, but I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to either. So to me, it isn't a huge drop. But my initial, like, funny ha-ha when I heard Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt was, hey, they're going to be improved to quarterback now. But I just, He's I am not a fan of Jimmy playing pretty good. Yeah, and he has played extremely well for him. I, I am not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. You listen you to know. my podcast, you know that I will, I go back and forth almost every week about that. I feel kind of bad for Uncle Rico because that's his guy. But, oh, well. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things now where it's like, yeah, I don't see a huge drop-off coming. So. Um, and if Purdy doesn't play well, maybe Garoppolo shows his worth of some sorts this way. I mean, maybe something to think about there as well. Staying in the NFC West, Baker Mayfield goes to the Rams – he and the Panthers mutually agreed to a release. And, Bo, I know the Rams are a hot mess and their season's basically over with at this point. But, I mean, something tells me I, I, I'm not ready to give up on Baker Mayfield yet. He's been in some horrible situations with the Browns and the Panthers. I'm not expecting this to go anywhere this year because of where the Rams are at. But, um. Are you ready to write off Baker yet, or, or is he, does he still have one more go-round in him? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Bye-bye. I have no confidence in Baker Mayfield at all. Um, this guy has been overrated. Turns out he was the problem in Cleveland. That's funny. Uh, when they tried to blame it on Odell Beckham. Um, funny how that worked. Then he goes to Carolina and loses his job there. And now they mutually decide to get him out of the paint. He was never going to play again for Carolina. He's been that bad. Uh, our entire coaching staff is going to get fired because of how bad he is when it comes to Carolina. Um, I think that he is a coach killer. I think that he is a player that I would not want on my team. I don't think there's anything that Baker Mayfield adds to a football team in the NFL that would be worth me dealing with him at all, period, point blank. Yeah. Um, with that, do you think next year, let's say, it's hard to imagine him being a starter anywhere. Does does his attitude and the way that he carries himself, is it is it going to be hard for him, you think, to even find a backup job potentially next year? Yes. That is exactly – you hit the nail on the head. He has an attitude issue. This is a guy, you know, and I'm not talking about going back to when he was in Oklahoma and he was grabbing his nuts against Kansas on the side of the on the on the sideline. I'm talking about this guy thinks he's something he's not. It was a huge overstep drafting this guy with as high as he drafted. Um, it he's he's short, he doesn't have a great arm, he doesn't make a lot of great decisions. And this is a guy who thinks he's the best player in the quarterback room, no matter what room he's in, no matter what rooms in the room with him. I cannot imagine a situation where you would want him as your backup quarterback. Mm. I mean, it would, the only situation you could possibly have is if you're one of the tippy top teams with one of the tippy top quarterbacks. I mean, if you had Patrick Mahomes or you had Josh Allen or Joe Burrow and you said, we need a guy in case our superstar gets hurt. Because if you're in the middle or the lower part, lower end of the quality quarterbacks, you might have some base, parts of your base say, well, let's give Baker a try. Yeah. Because there's certain people who like him for whatever reason. Um, I just would not put him on my team. I just don't see it. I wouldn't do it. Um, he would have to do something pretty drastic personality-wise, to show me that he's worth having on my roster moving forward. And I don't know what that would be, and he'd have to figure that out on his own. Yeah. I think him being a backup would be good for him, a little humble pie, and see how he reacts yeah. to it. I think it would be really good for his career, and he'd have a chance if he went out there and played a couple of good games as a backup for somebody. But what, what has he ever shown – that shows that he is anything more than kind of a spoiled brat and an egocentric kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, he's not a, a, he's not an especially good decision maker on the field. You have to have that as a backup quarterback because you're going to have to go into situations at times where there's an injury and make, and just not make bad decisions. Putting Baker Mayfield in a bad situation, just putting gasoline on a fire. So I don't know. I, I The way I look at it, I do know. I would not put him on my roster. Could he, could he humble himself and become a backup and maybe play himself back into something? Possibly. 
but it's going to take a hell of a coach to do that. Yeah. It's going to take a lot from Baker, a lot of self-reflection too. So Yes, that's well put. Yeah. Uh, with that said, a couple more NFL things and we'll on talk college football here. The Titans fired their GM, John Robinson, this week. I don't find it any coincidence, Bo, that it happened within days of A.J. Brown tearing them apart in that Titans-Eagles game when their best player was the guy they put on the other side that they didn't want to pay. I think that's going to haunt the Titans for a long time of them not having the guts to keep A.J. Brown. Yeah, I think that it came down to a situation where they looked at that, the offense. The, the GM was clearly saying, okay, we've got an offense that we're not high-powered. Um, I'll give you the best example, the best congruent example here. If you take the Tennessee Titans and the Philadelphia Eagles, they want to play the same way. They want to run the ball, control the clock. And the thing the Eagles have done is the Eagles have decided, hey, we've got a couple of big a couple of big wide receivers that in the event that we have to throw the ball, we will. But they're a run first team. But when you look at the Eagles offense and you go, wow, they have these two great receivers, and especially AJ Brown, I think you're you're right that the trading of AJ Brown had a lot to do with it. It's one of those things where was it you traded AJ Brown so that you took the pressure off of Ryan Tannehill? Or do you think that Ryan Tannehill can make anyone into AJ Brown? I I don't get what the I don't understand what they were doing there. In the end, they gave the Eagles a great player that was a great fit. And it's sad because those two teams want to play the same way. Yeah. And the Titans have the better running back. And they got a good play action quarterback. Ryan Tannehill's great at play action. He just can't throw it to anybody now because he doesn't have anybody to throw it to. So yeah, I, I think that the the trade for the AJ Brown trade, if that came down to being the GM's call at the end, yeah, then that's probably what got it fired. Yeah, especially Traylon Burks. And uh, he's been good, but not great as a rookie if they saw more out of Traylon Burks that would have made it a lot easier but I mean Traylon Burks I can tell you this right now is not A.J. Brown and never will be I mean simply put so uh last thing in the NFL Andrew Locke I know it's been what four or five years since he retired and it was all a mystery at the time why he retired and you know he, he's never really spoke much about it and uh you know this week a long ESPN.com piece came out and he uh, he said he regretted the timing of his retirement and that situation, how it was handled and kind of what he's up to nowadays. And he's going back to school at Stanford and, and all this. And, you know, he's kind of moved on with his life. And here was a guy that, you know, still took his signing bonus money from the Colts and even after a new contract and everything, I mean, uh, you know, left him in a tough spot, you know, after the preseason was over with, they didn't have time to go get another quarterback stuck with Joe Jacoby Bursett. They still haven't even replaced him ever since. Um, Bo, what, what'd you make of what Andrew Luck said? And does he owe the Colts an apology for how that went down? I, I read the entire article and I was thinking of it two ways. I thought of it. I read it and I was thinking, wow, it's nice to hear from Andrew Luck. 
Um, because we really didn't know. He said in his announcement, but he talked about how he wrote the announcement as well, that it was all about his injuries and the, 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 the going through the injury and the recovery and everything else. And he knew that cycle was going to continue. It sounded like he was also, there was also a personal part of him, Andrew Luck, that he had lost his identity in being a quarterback. I really read that in the article too. I really yes. read that part and where he said, Hey, I wanted to be a better husband. I wanted to be a father. And he realized that he was the way he put it was he was kind of holding his wife back and that she was becoming just kind of an appendix to him. And he didn't like that. And he wanted to be a family. And I, I got more respect for Andrew Luck and I already have a big fan of his, but I got even more respect for the decisions he made. I think it's four years ago now, um, after reading the article. And I hope that we see him in football in some way. He he kind of hints in the article that he's going back to school, and I think he will end up going into coaching at some point. Um, I think he's more apt to actually be an administrator. I think Andrew Luck's got general manager written all over. Yeah. I would not be surprised to see that. He's, he's, his father is an executive. Right. He's a Stanford-educated guy. Um, wicked smart. Yeah, that's what he's going to end up doing, I think. But I, as far as your question of does he owe the Colts an apology, I don't think so. I think he wanted so hard to try to get over his feelings that that's why it happened the way it did in the preseason. He was trying to find the catalyst to get him there. He was hoping he'd go to training camp and it would just click on. And it didn't. And then he gets hurt. And he's going through all these injuries. And what they talk about in the article, all the stuff he had to do for his shoulder and going over to Denmark to get help and, you know, going through all the physical therapy. And he was living there for a couple of months and everything else. And I just, I don't think he owes anybody an apology. I think that the timing could have been a lot better. It also, he did tell the organization a, a, a number of days, I think it was a week or two in advance, this is what he was going to do. They held on to the information because they wanted him to announce it. Actually, he said he was going to announce it after that game where it came out in the middle of the game. Um, but that information got to Adam Schefter, and of course Adam Schefter is going to just blab. But um, so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what do you do? And he gets booed by his own fans. I think that was kind of shitty, but but he also didn't tell anybody what's going on. There's a mental part of this, and I respect what Andrew Luck did. And I think it's very mature, and I think it's really self-observant to go through something like this and say, hey, I can't be this guy. Yeah. I know physically I can be this guy, but I don't know that mentally my best health is here. Right. It doesn't hurt that he's rich. He's got a lot of money in the bank. He's done some things he wants to do. But, I mean, in the end, can you blame a guy for doing what's best for him and his family? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk. I, I will uh, say that. Hold on. We got to move on. We got to move on. Okay. Uh, let's talk uh, college football playoff. The uh, top four ends up with uh, being number one, Georgia, two, Michigan, three, TCU, and four, Ohio State. USC loses the Pac-12 title game. They're out. TCU 
loses the Big 12 title game, but they stay in with that overtime loss. They hold serve at that number three seed. So we get Georgia taking on Ohio State in one semifinal, and then we have Michigan and TCU in the other semifinal. Uh, what do you make of this top four, Bo? Uh, it seemed like it was it was pretty easy for the committee. Uh, you know, Alabama, you could argue, sure, has one of the top four talented teams in the country, but at the end of the day, you still have to earn it. You still have to earn it to get in the playoff, and Alabama did not pass the test they needed to. I mean, they the two toughest games they played this year, they lost. So, I mean – the top four, I believe the committee get it, did did it right, and I'm glad they didn't bump TCU down for an overtime loss to a top-10 team. Well, I'll say this. I, I think that there's certainly an argument to put Alabama in instead of TCU. Um, when you look at Alabama, lost two games by four points. And, and they lost on the last-second field goal and a last-second two-point conversion. But the same thing with USC. USC lost the game on the last minute two point conversion and then gets beat in a championship game. Um, but I look at it and I go, I think they did the right thing. They got the right four teams. If I was going to rank them based upon how I think they're going to, they would do, I think it would be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and TCU. But I think that the committee put TCU at three to avoid a first round Michigan, Ohio State game. Um, and, and that's okay. I mean, I don't think that Ohio State's going to beat Georgia. I don't think TCU would have beaten Georgia. Um, I think in the end, we got the right four teams. Those are probably the best four right now. I would argue that Alabama is as good a team as TCU, if not better, but they didn't get it done in the schedule. And I think the game I think hurt Alabama was the Texas game. Yes. I think if they had gone in and beat up Texas – you couldn't point to the second thing. You couldn't say, yeah, they lost two games by four points to Tennessee and LSU, but they also had to go come back and win at Texas. And it was Texas really didn't play well in that last possession. And they kind of and stole that. Comparably speaking, TCU beat up Texas. Yeah. So I think when you look at that, that's the end to me that I went, ah, no, it needs to be TCU. Um doesn't surprise me TCU lost to Kansas State. We actually picked that on my on my podcast. And last week we did our picks. I picked Kansas State. So um, I just think that, you know, you look at this, I, best four teams are in. Um, in the end, I think one and two are going to win these, 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 play, these semifinal games, and we're going to have a hell of a national championship game. Yeah, I think so. Um, so – with the uh, the Heisman that's going to be given out this week, Bo, I, I don't feel like any of them even deserve it. I, I I feel like that this is a weak Heisman class. Those four finalists, none of them really even stand out to me. None of them had that Heisman moment, if you want to yeah. call it that. I guess I'd give it to Caleb Williams, but, I mean, if they didn't give out the Heisman to anybody, I'd be fine with that too. <laughs> So correct mine because I want to make sure I'm right here. The last four: Caleb Williams, um, um, Max Duggan, Max Duggan from TCU, Stetson um, Bennett, Stetson Bennett from Georgia, and who's the fourth? Um, the uh, the fourth and oh, CJ Stroud. Yes, CJ Stroud. Okay. CJ Stroud. I've been on CJ Stroud the whole season. 
but he's had three opportunities to go out there and win the Heisman, to have the Heisman moment. And he fell apart all three times. All three, he couldn't get it done. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker, I thought had a really good shot at winning it. And then they lose a game. They lose the game against uh, Georgia. And they get beat up in that game. And then he gets hurt. So that's going to hurt. I don't see why it can't be Max Duggan, but I think Caleb Williams had the best season, but no one's really watched him because they've played a lot of late night games. I happen to have watched a lot of those. He'd probably my vote, but here's what I say. You know who should win the Heisman Trophy? They should split this thing into five pieces and give it to Michigan's offensive line. Yeah. That's who's been the best player in college football this year. Because uh... – if he would have stayed healthy. I think I think Blake Corum wins the Heisman because I do too. I think if he doesn't get hurt in the game, yeah, I think he does win the Heisman. And I think Michigan's offensive line is really good. They're, yes. They are the reason that Michigan is the number two team in the country. I know you can't do something like that. I know you're not going to give it to somebody who's not a quarterback. But if there was anybody any year where there's not, I think you said it right, there's not that big sexy guy or the, the there isn't the big numbers that Bryce Young had and what Joe Burrow did a couple of years ago. And this is where you had like this dominant player. This year, it's just been these four or five guys that are all pretty good, and they're all pretty good. Right. But none of them have been the take the opportunity, the bull by the horns, and winning. This is going to be the worst Heisman winner in a, in a while. Well, I'll say it like this. Caleb Williams is going to win this thing but he's not a terrible player. Right. It, there's been worse Heisman Trophy winners. If you want to say that it wasn't a worst, dominant the worst race. seasons, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, if you want to say the, the worst comparison of the same year, that, I can see that. That's what I'm saying, yeah. There have been worse Heisman Trophy winners. Yes. Baker Mayfield has one, so, I mean, you know. I mean, Baker Mayfield's Heisman season was better than any of these guys. Yeah, but he's still Baker Mayfield. I mean, I'd take his season over into these guys. Hey, his 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 year where he won the high, he was special. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I just like making Baker Mayfield. Transfer portal is rocking and rolling. Yeah. It's exciting. It's great for the sport. Got a thousand kids in it right now. Free agency in full swing. Oh, um, this is almost overshadowing the playoff right now, Bo. I mean, the the, the portal is is crazy i loved monday morning on twitter the gifts and memes were worth the taking the time to, to see them all you know one of Dabo sweeney running you know pre-game on the onto the field and it's like you know Dabo showing bj the way or dj the way to the, the transfer portal um you know just you see the gifts of like the train station when everybody's trying to get through and it's like Here's the Miami Hurricanes locker room trying to get into the transfer portal. It's things like that. It's amazing. It tells me two things. One, you're always recruiting. Yes. Even if you miss the first time, you better stay in contact because you got a second chance. I don't like that just anybody can move at any time. It, the free agency of it does kind of stink, but I don't know of a better, a better way to do this. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it personally because I'm thinking about a particular kid that I know right now that's not getting recruited as highly as he should be because the transfer portal is open. 
And that's bothering me a little bit personally. But I love it for the kids who are saying we can play our way up. The kids who are going from smaller programs where they've played really well and get to go up and for a better opportunity, great. What I don't like is you go recruit two running backs, one ends up being the starter, one ends up not being the starter, and the second one leaves to go somewhere else after his freshman year. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, you ever heard of depth? Let's have a couple guys. So that that's tough. I but it's you know, it's just the nature of things now. We can't just have it, we can't have it all perfectly. There is no perfect. But I, I think the transfer portal certainly got people talking. And Deion Sanders going to Colorado has made the transfer portal even more interesting. Speaking out with the coaching changes, um, I love the Deion hire at Colorado. I do. Scott Satterfield makes no sense for Cincinnati. Um, I thought that was an F. That was an awful hire. Um, you know, I, I, I look at Jeff Brom at, going to Louisville. That's a good hire for Louisville. Um, what's kind of some of your takeaways, some of these uh, coaching hirings we've seen here in the last couple of days? Okay. The, the ones I've liked so far, I like Nebraska hiring Matt Rule. Yeah, we talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go to the, I'm just kind of looking at the overall picture. Love Dion going to Colorado. That's Colorado is going to be a beast. It might take them a year or two, but they're going to be a beast. He's going to use the shit out of the transfer for Um, I don't know how I feel in Cincinnati's hire. I just don't know enough about him to really have an educated opinion. I do like the idea that he's going from Louisville to Cincinnati. It's a sort of a lateral type of move. You're going into a bigger conference. But you also kind of understand that you're not the biggest school in your state. So you kind of know how to run that program. Um, I get that a little bit. I don't know much about the coach. That's where I'm a little ignorant in that. And so I'll admit that up front. So I, I don't really have a, a clue on that. Um, I thought Georgia Tech had a bad hire. They had Willie Fritz from Tulane locked and loaded and ready to go. And they blew that. Um, and I, 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 a couple of them that I'm looking at, I'm going, okay. Uh, Jeff Brom to Louisville makes a lot of sense where he played football. You know, at Purdue, what's your, really your goal? You're not going to be top echelon. You're not going to get to the the Ohio State, Michigan, or even the next tier of Penn State and Wisconsin if you're Purdue. So going to um, Louisville makes some sense to me. And we're still going to see a couple more hires, too. It'll be interesting. There's still going to be some – the chairs are still moving. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're out of time. We'll uh, talk to you next week. OHGcast.com, counteradvisorsgroup.com, and on the Coach Bo Knows podcast. Bo, uh, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, have a thanks, good Tyler. week. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Tom, you take care, buddy. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fulry story of the week where – Thomas Bridges tells us about something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we do this time? Jones, we're going to the, one of the biggest, biggest shows in America, and that means the place that you wake up with every morning. And we're talking about Good Morning America. This comes from CNN Business. Good Morning America 3, GMA3 anchors Amy Robach and TJ Holmes taken off air following the report of a romantic relationship 
New York, CNN Business, Amy Robach and TJ Holmes, co-hosts of American News GMA3, have been taken off the air following the public disclosure of a romantic relationship. Network President Kim Godwin announced the Saffords on Monday morning, according to a person familiar with the matter. I'm going to talk about something that has been an internal and an external distraction. The relationship between two of our colleagues, Godwin said, and so... I want to say that while the relationship is not a violation of company policy, I have really taken the last few days to think about it and work through what I think is best for ABC News organization. And so, for now, I'm going to take Amy and TJ off the air while we figure this out. Godwin added, such decisions are not easy, they're not knee-jerk, but they are necessary for the brand. She also asked staff to stop the whispering in the hallways (laughs) about the matter. We cannot... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is some high school shit. We can't <laughs> we can't operate with gossip and speculation and remember she said we need to stay focused on the work. <laughs> Good shit from Gordon Good Morning America. They are trying to bring you the best. Uh Godwin said, however, that if staffers think there is something management needs to know, they should contact HR or a manager that they trust. Move comes after the Daily Mail last week reported the two anchors have secretly engaged in a months-long romance, publishing photos of the pair together. ABC News correspondents Joe Benitez and Stephanie Ramos will serve as temporary hosts of the 1 p.m. Eastern Time show, Godwin said. People familiar with the matter previously told CNN that when Daily Mail first reached out to ABC News for comment about the relationship between Roback and Holmes, a surprise network spokesman tried to determine whether the allegation was true. The spokesman contacted Holmes, who poured cold water on the tabloids reporting. Uh, That resulted in the spokesman person trying to push back against Alex's reporting. The Daily Mail wasn't deterred and published its explosive story. When ABC representatives later saw the images included in the Daily Mail story, they were taken aback. The people familiar with the matter said, Jones, I do recall seeing a story where Old TJ was grabbing, had a handful of ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was grabbing Amy's ass, uh, you know, by uh, her car or something in public. Yeah. Hello. You know, Amy declined to provide a comment on the matter. Following reports of the relationship, Roback and Holmes continued to anchor the program, but Monday's announcement suggests the network is taking the situation seriously. Jones, um, I'm. <laughs> I, with someone who I think has a little bit more experience in this matter than me, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you start off. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I used to work in news. That's what Tom's referring to here. And <laughs> uh, I gotta tell you, you know, there's a couple things that that stand out here. One, consensual relationship. Okay. And. It did not involve a, you know, subordinate, you know, consensual of people of the same level. So that's, that to me is fine. Okay. I mean, nothing was against company policy there. Now, there was an affair that went on. Both of them cheated on their husband, on their spouses. And apparently TJ Holmes uh, has slept with like at least three I think I heard four different staffers from ABC News, including yeah, that, brings, that. That brings a new morning meaning to Good Morning America. 
<laughs> yeah. And so this is not the first time that he's been around. Um, I guess that they had went on double dates and that her kids watched his kids so they could go out. And, and uh, I mean, there, there's so many parts to this story. And I believe they have a morality clause in their contracts. And so they could get demoted or have their contracts voided, be fired for this over the morality clause. So look, I, Tom, I, I'm not promoting infidelity, uh, you know, obviously on a moral stance, you know, having affairs and all that is, you know, frowned upon. It's wrong, you know, but I don't think you should be losing your jobs or being even demoted over that. How they want to live their lives, a consensual relationship where nobody was hurt, um, you know, that that's their thing. That's that's not my that's not my problem here. And and I think it was dumb of ABC to pull off the air. The ratings went up twenty percent with this news. People were, were interested. It was juicy, you know, it was uh it gave some life. Did did any in all honesty, how many people even knew who TJ Holmes and AB Robach were before last week? You know, to be honest with you, I didn't. Exactly. And now all of us are like, you know what? Amy Robach? Yeah, she can get it. She's pretty hot. <laughs> and and then there's some that look at TJ Holmes and say, yeah, that's a that's a handsome looking dude. He's a good looking guy. Good for them. You know, I mean, so that's how I look at it, Tom. Yeah, it brings a new me, like I said, brings a new money. Good morning, America. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like if they got took off there and they put GW Bush on there, Junior. Yeah. <laughs> morning you know like with the smirk <laughs> good morning america <laughs> uh, and then there's the other discussion that comes up with this of dating co-workers <laughs> is that a good idea or a tell bad me about idea? it jones and what's the real irony and i tweeted about this the other day is that walt disney the founder of disney who is the parent company of abc news one of his most famous quotes was never dip your pen in the company ink. <laughs> and now we get this scandal among us uh, in regards to uh, ABC and, and Disney here with and, you know, a couple and of their the, topics. The, the 2020s version, uh, yes. for those of you that are not aware, is don't shit where you eat. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And Walt so, had a lot more tact than I ever will. So I'll, I'll say this much: I would, I would not advise uh, dating your coworkers. Um, there are plenty of fish in the sea, as they say. But at the flip side, too, if it's consensual and nobody was hurt, then live your lives too. I mean, like Tom, I, I would say this: I'm not interested in. Uh, dating any co-workers that's something that uh, is is a no-no for me um, but well, con- considering there's not a whole lot of women at chat sports there's, yeah, there's only-, only one and, uh, <laughs> and no 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 that's not not happening I'll, I'll say that right now uh, no offense <laughs> to anybody out there um, but yeah I mean I, I'm not 
I don't advise that. I don't recommend it. But there's another part of it, too, Tom. In this day and age, everybody works so many hours. And, you know, who do they run into the most? Who do they hang out with the most? The people they work with every day. I mean, these things are are going to happen. I mean, you're, you're going to have things like this pop up. I mean, that's to me what's so interesting is the fact that ABC, their response to this, they are making a bigger deal out of this than, than it really should be. I mean, uh, yeah, of course they are. I mean, like, you know, it's going to happen. And, and it's like, okay, you think about uh, my biggest example would probably be movies, right? Um, you have people on movie sets usually, you know, we hear about the two main actors that are close in the movie that are shooting scenes together every day, whether that would be romantic or not, um, that end up hooking up, that end up, that end up a pair. Um, one of the, one of the more prime examples I can think of is Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. Um, obviously they were on set together for a while. Um, and obviously you know, that resulted, I think that even resulted in a movie. I think it was Mr. and Mrs. Jones. Mr. Uh, Mr. Smith, fun, yes. Fun, yeah, funny enough. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that's hilarious now that I think about it. Um, and that was, I think, one of the movies that really sparked that relationship. And that was one of the, the things that had Brad Pitt leave Jennifer Aniston and end up marrying Angelina Jolie. I think they had a couple kids together and you know, the rest is history. They're not together anymore. And, you know, Brad Pitt came out on top of Bang Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston. He's, he's the, you know, right there. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's OG shit. That's OG shit. Um, and he's in Oklahoma. And so turn up. Um, but yeah, like it's going to happen. You know, I have, I've, I don't know. I've been blessed and cursed to never have a job where I had people that were about my age. Like, I, I am the second youngest in my current job. And at my previous job, I was the youngest by 10 years. So, I, I well, like I said, blessed and cursed. Because, you know, my current job, I'm like, damn, it would be really nice for them to actually hire some people that are about my age and I'm like man I'm not the I'm not the I'm not the spring chicken I used to be hell I'm 30 now but you know the next the youngest I think the youngest is 27 or 28 at my company now I'm the second youngest at 30 the third youngest is 31 and I believe the next youngest after that is about 36 or 37 and my old company I was 28, and the next oldest, or the next youngest, rather, was 37 or 38. So, and, you know, when you work in the engineering type field, most of it's going to be guys. You know, oil and gas, when I worked at Phillips 66, there were other people in the company that were close to my age, but in a completely different department. So... You know, in a field like that you work in, Jones, all, most of the people that you're around are about your age. Yeah. And and, and working in, you know, you, you said you worked in news. You're going to have several attractive young women. Oh, yes. Uh, 
I uh, I have been fortunate to uh, work in an industry with a, a lot of attractive women. Yes. I mean, there you go. So, if you, if you want to d- dip your <laughs> there's a there's a couple of couple of uh, you know you can relate dipping your pen to a couple of different things. Yes. You know? Yeah. You know. Uh, so if I mean, you want to, I'll say this like. In regards to Amy Robach, though, I mean, you know, and, and this is not in defense of what they did. We are not, you know, don't take this the wrong way, folks. But if I'm TJ Holmes, if I'm not getting any action at home, and, uh-huh. it, I mean, and Amy Robach, you know, comes on you, I mean, how are you supposed to say No. I mean, he dipped his full pen in the company. He he could, he could have wrote for a long time. I mean, they were they were doing a marathon training together. He even said on air a couple months ago that she always runs in front of him and he enjoys the view. I mean, yeah, you know, and I don't I don't know the I don't know the uh, if ands or buts in terms of their personal relationships with their previous spouses, but you know, if I had a wife that worked with a guy like TJ and he was to say that about my wife we're throwing hands <laughs> you know that's all that's all there is to it you uh, know so now that she's not a married woman uh, Tom if, if Amy Robot calls are, are, you, are you answering I mean yeah I have to <laughs> It'd be, like I said, it'd be like the George Bush thing. and be like, oh, well, good morning, America. Good morning, America. You know. Uh, it, yeah. it doesn't work out with T.J. Holmes. Uh, man, and, and, we are not yeah. your co-workers, and we're available. You know, you know how I feel about older women, so. Yeah. yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. We're, uh, if anything, Tom, I know this sounds wrong, Uh I think I, I actually like T.J. Holmes and Amy Robach more out, out of this. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if anything, you know, being on ABC, maybe we, we this is this is the Bachelor relationship we've always wanted. <laughs> where's Chris Harrison yeah. when we need Yeah, I was about to see, yeah, where's he at? <laughs> we, need, we need the final rose ceremony on Good Morning America. Right? Did, did we get a bachelor wedding uh, with uh, Amy and uh, DJ Holmes here? I'll, I'll DJ it. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, then and, no. you, and, and you can you can be the uh, you can be the preacher. Okay. Yeah. As we found out this weekend on Chat Sports. Yes. Um, that sounds great to me. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> and uh, we can have. Uh, you know, Amy and TJ's kids can can be the ring bears. You know, they already know each other and everything. You know, the, uh, yeah, it'd be great. Uh, hey. We got to go. Uh, big thanks to Rodney Gates for joining us, Coach Bo, you the listener as well. Follow us on social media: Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore. Soapbox, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Insta Thomas, uh, Tyler Jones Live. You can find us there. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. 
And uh, check out the Studio Soapbox Network. This show, the Big 12 Breakdown, uh, you know, Raw Tools with Luke Slayball, Coach Bo Knows Show, the Bevo Boys, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, search Studio Soapbox and uh, check us all out there. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, I'm Tom Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.